heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It is that wonderful time of the year. It's the AFC preview show. We're nine days away from the start of the regular season. Last year, it was just Big Rat, Phil, and I doing the AFC preview show. But this year, we got Danny in there. So, Miguel, you are welcome, my friend. We have a Big Rat going up against Danny Podcast with a little bit of Phil in there and myself. But, gentlemen, this is episode 104 of YWC Football Talk. We're that much closer to the season. How the hell are we feeling today? Hello, hello. Very excited. We got the calm before the storm right here. Me and Big Rat are going to be the storm. And, yep. uh, you know, we're, we're, what are we, a week away? We can change away. So, very excited. Yeah, Danny, Danny's got money on the Dolphins under, and I'm going to explain to you why that's a horrible donkey bet and why I bet on their over when I was in Vegas a few weeks ago. So, that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Football's back, man. We all know this is our favorite time of the year, so I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, especially uh, considering the news today. So, even more stoked. And with that news, we're going to jump right into that because I was going to say the – AFC East for last, because obviously all four of us, all our teams reside in the AFC East. But today, um, I got a text from one, I got a text in a group chat from a guy, a Giants fan, Ryan Falcone, actually. And it was a Jim McBride link. And I was like, what the fuck's he texting me a Jim McBride thing for? And I see Cam, and then I just go on, and then, like, everyone's reaching out to me. Like, how do you feel about it? Like, oh, my God, like, why did it happen? And it just, it caught me off guard. But it's one of those things, you know, where it's, like, news you didn't expect to hear, and then you kind of let the dust, dust settle, and you realize, hey, look, for me, actually, I think it is the better move, just in particular with uh, the direction of the team. But um, before we get into Big Rat and Danny's thoughts on it, Phil, what do you think about it? Because obviously you're the other resident Patriot fan on the show. Yeah, so, I mean, it, initially, actually, uh, I was at work, and uh, I have a fellow uh, coworker that's a Patriots fan. He came, he, he actually walked me over our uh, work walkies and was like, uh, bro, they released Cam. And I'm like, what is he talking Like, sometimes, you know, you see a link or something. I'm like, he probably just saw a link that ain't right. And so I pulled it up and I saw it and, and said, we released Cam. And I was like, I, like you said, initially shocked. I just didn't think that would be the end result, you know. Um, but then after the dust settled and I started thinking about it, you know, I'm like, you know, it's like, I really think like, I know, and I'm not trying to pinpoint like and make an excuse, but I really think that clearly Mac was going to start at some point this, this year, unless Cam played like completely different than he did last year. But um, I think that that, I think that the uncertainty of, you know, he's not vaccinated. I mean, people may not say that, but I, I really believe that it had a lot to do with it. The fact that he's not vaccinated. They already had a semi scare with he's gone for five days. And I've heard a lot of things that I, videos and and radio that I've heard uh, talk about it already is that now you have five days to look at what, what a team would be without Cam Newton. And I think Bill and the rest of the staff felt good about it. And I think that was just kind of like the nail in the coffin at the end. Um, I think he did, they just decided and then Cam's not going to back up. Like at first I was like, well, why won't we just have him as a backup? But then thinking about it, it's just like Cam's not the personality. Like, he kind of demands the locker room. So I just don't think he's a guy that's going to be able to be a backup. Um, I mean, if he's going to – he's not going to start in the league unless someone gets hurt. But um, I, overall, I love it. I th- I'm, I'm, re- I'm excited about Mac. I thought Mac was a – was uh, that's who I wanted going into the draft. I didn't want anyone else. That's who I wanted. I mean, obviously, if I could have got Trevor, but that's not going to happen. So, um, you know, I, I really think Max the most start ready guy, and I think he's gonna, you know, he's gonna go through his struggles. But I'm, I'm really excited. Rookie quarterback being able to watch and see what he does. 
No, 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 100%. You nailed, you nailed it on the head, like all the things right. Um, I'm the opposite. I actually wanted Justin Fields going into the draft, but obviously that didn't work out, and they ended up getting Mac Jones. But I was, I was, always, kind of, I was always skeptical on Mac because I said this in my podcast. I, I did a car cast earlier today on my break, but basically I said that, look, for a lot of the Alabama guys that come out, they never really live up to their full potential once they get to the league because obviously they go to different systems and stuff. Like you look at guys, and Danny would know about this, like Greg McElroy with the Jets. AJ McCarron never really lived up to the height. Jay Coker, I don't even think really think sniffed the league. Like Alabama over the last 20 years, they've had all these great quarterbacks and championships. But I feel like now you're slowly starting to see the changing of the guard where while you were talking, I uh, – oh, there's Danny's face. Um, the, but basically what I was going to say was um, you have all these quarterbacks basically uh, who are starting now from Alabama. Like you have two in Miami, you have Jalen in Philly, and now we have Mack in New England. So we'll ultimately see what happens with the mix. But all in all, look, at the end of the day – Max, my guy, and I'm never going to hate on someone who my team is at quarterback. I'm never going to hate on them before I see them play on the field. I only say that because, look, you can love someone, but look, after a while, look, if they don't perform up to the hype, they may not. But at the same time, too, I agree with the cutting camp thing because you don't want that sitting behind you. And Danny's actually going to love this one because I don't want a two-it's situation going into next year where everyone's like, oh, can he do it on his own, where they do the whole thing, say if Max struggles and then Cam were to go in. I feel like now Mac has that full confidence of the locker room. Yeah, and I, and I agree, Griffin. I think, like, too, I think, you know, you're, t- you're talking about the Bama quarterbacks. I just think that the Bama quarterbacks have elevated since that, those that you've mentioned. Um, and as far as Cam, I do want to say this. Like, I'm like I'm thankful for the time we had. Like, I know that last season was our worst season in a, in, in a long time. But I think Cam did a lot with what he had and, the and you know, a short off season, uh, you know, getting COVID during the season. You know, so I think I'm, I'm happy with, you know, what – he was. I'm proud of what he was able to do, and I wish he could have done more. But and I wish him well. You know, I don't have any ill will towards Cam. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm, oh, go ahead, Danny. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Real quick, just for me, I definitely agree with Griff. I think it was because of uh, him being unvaccinated, 100. percent Then you guys released a couple coaches for that too. Uh, there was a strength and conditioning coach. Yes. Strength, yeah. Okay. So, like, I think Bill's really high on that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I'll give I'll give you guys credit. I know it's preseason. I knew it was against backups. But, you know, Mac Jones passed that test. You know, he proved he was capable to play in that kind of, uh, you know, in that kind of offense. So you saw the throws. You saw the touch throws. It wasn't all just checkdowns. You know, which everyone's saying. No, as a Jet fan, I, I saw enough to to make that move. But in reverse, um, for Phil. You know, I, you could see Cam didn't have it since last year, man. You know, you got to call a spade a spade sometimes. I know everyone was like, oh, let's see what he does with a full off season. Let's see what he does, you know, when he doesn't have COVID. The guy's shot. Can he still start in this league for a contender? No. For a team like the Texans, I could see it. But, like, what does that really do? You know, that's just like a farewell tour type thing. But I think his best move would go, you know, back up back in, in, in Dallas. I think so too. That's I was a good just want to say that. I saw that. I saw that today too, and I and I think that would be a, that would be an amazing point. I mean, amazing uh, spot for him. Yeah. But so I I I'll say for Cam, I agree. Look, I mean, there's two different things. Like he's definitely not the player he once was. Like no, obviously, like no one. I don't think anyone at this point would deny that. It's just can he still be at a functional level? And I was listening. I was actually listening to some Patriot stuff today because this whole. Like, there's been, like, a nice subplot to the offseason, the whole Mac versus Cam thing. Like, not just for you guys, but for football fans generally. And they were, like, uh, Phil Phil Perry and Tom Curran, I was listening to the Patriots Talk podcast, them recapping the decision. They both said that, like, Cam looks better now than he did a year ago. Like, obviously, the context is so different with a first-round pick at quarterback with the vaccination thing. They all agree that Cam 
looks like looks like he's made progress, even though he's like completing a little less passes in training camp than he was last year. Like Jeff Howe's been reporting, they they think he looks better. It's just that they have a first round quarterback who looks pretty advanced. And Phil Perry said, "Yeah, I mean, I I think that they still could have gone ten and seven with Cam Newton, and I believe that too." And I have a unique perspective on this, obviously, having an Alabama quarterback of my own and dealing with the Fitz thing last year. Um, I very much understand the concerns of, of like, being yanked. I, I think there's some benefits to it, but, like, I, we don't need to get into that now on the Patriots element of it since it's irrelevant since Cam got cut. Uh, I think Cam, had he gotten the job, still would have been solid. I keep saying everyone compares Cam to Brady last year. What I always been saying on this podcast is compare the 2020 Patriots to the 2019 Patriots. And I thought this was interesting because I was having a discussion with our, with our friend trademark on Facebook about this earlier today. And I looked it up last year, the Patriots, when you look at yards per play on offense, which I think is a really good metric because it washes out the noise of touchdowns, which can be due to variance a little bit yards per play. The Patriots last year ranked 21st in the NFL, not 32nd, like some might think, based on how people talk about Cam, 21st in overall yards per play. The year before in 2019, they ranked 24th. And so they were actually better from a yards per play perspective last year than the year before. We've talked about it 100 times. The receivers got worse. Edelman missed the entire year, practically. Harry had a bigger role that he didn't adjust to very well. And the defense got a lot worse last year. And that's how you go from 12 and 4 or 11 and five to seven and nine. But everyone remembers the 2019 Patriots team was falling off a cliff at the end. They went five and four in their last nine games. They lost to my dolphins. Like they were, they were treading water. And then they had the opt outs and downgraded receiver. And then yes, Cam was worse than Brady. So I think Cam, I, I still do think Cam is better than he's given credit for. No, he's not in his prime, but I, I do believe with a really good team, he's good enough to get you to 10 and seven. I mean, last year they went seven and nine with a significantly worse roster. So I, I very much believe in the best case scenario. Is it good enough to win a Super Bowl? Probably not. But is it good enough to be a winning team? I think so. I think that was shown last year. And they had bad luck in close games last year. So if that got reversed, they could have easily been 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven instead. So yeah, I, I, I still think he's, he's good enough for that. Now, I think it's going to be hard for him to get a job uh, because of the vaccination thing. Like I think Clarence Hill from Dallas reported today Yes, the Cowboys desperately need a backup quarterback, but the problem is, what if Cam gets COVID and then makes Dak Prescott a close contact? And obviously, because of Cam's vaccination status, that is more likely to happen to him than other backups. That that becomes really, really risky. I know you're scared of what Dak gets hurt, but you also got to be scared of Dak being healthy and the backup taking him out with COVID if he doesn't get vaxxed. And so that's going to make it really hard for Cam to get a job, I think. I think Cam is going to have to... I mean, unfortunately, the league doesn't want to outright say this. I think he's going to have to get back to get another chance. And if he doesn't, he might have to wait till next offseason uh, and hopefully gets another bite at the apple somewhere, somehow. Um, I personally think long term, this is best for Patriots, for the Patriots fans. I do believe long term, you're better off getting Mac those reps now. Go through the rookie struggles now. I will say in the short term, I wouldn't be so sure. I know he played well in the preseason. We, Blake Bortles played great in the preseason. Daniel Jones played great in the preseason. And just speaking from my own experience with Tua, something that I think I learned from last year, the quarterbacks that really succeed as rookies are the ones that have like a lot of physical talent, like Justin Herbert with the arm, like RG3 and Russell Wilson with their legs when they were rookies too. Or if you're just like a generational prospect like Andrew Luck, quarterbacks that win mentally, that win with their processing speed, 
I think that's really hard to succeed at as a as a rookie because the game moves really fast for every rookie, no matter how mentally advanced you are. Like, because everything you guys are hearing about Mac, I heard about Tua a year ago. He's really, really mentally advanced. He can be Drew Brees. He can go through his progressions and carve up a defense one day. Well, that's really hard to do as a rookie. It's really hard to look good doing that as a rookie. So I think it is possible that in the short term, for as good as he looked in the preseason, the there might be some struggles that Mac has where he has some games where he looks like Tua did where he relies on his processing speed, but now, now you're getting blitzes. Now you're getting a live rush. Now you're getting defenses switching the coverage after the snap at a higher frequency than they were doing in the preseason. And so I think in the short term, I think there's going to be some games where Mac looks bad. Um, but I think you guys can still win with him. I think he has shown enough where like you can still have a winning record with him even as a rookie certainly Tua for all his problems did go five and three as a starter so I think you can win with him but I do think there might be some games that you lose that you maybe would not have um because of his rookie struggles possibly even week one which could be really really important for the Dolphins season and for the Patriots season yeah I I agree um and I think one thing you said too is like I mean I think there's not to, to expect no struggles. You're going in, you know, I don't know if I'm using the right word, but you're going in ignorant to think that there's not going to be struggles for a rookie quarterback. So I think, and, and like you said, he's not, he doesn't have that, you know, he's, he's more the mental guy, not the, the physical threat kind of thing. So I think that, I think that was a great point. Um, and the other thing I was going to add to that is that one thing I will say for Mac and uh, that maybe these other rookie quarterbacks don't have is he has an amazing offensive line in front of him. Yeah. So that's going to help. I think he still struggle. He'll, he'll still struggle with. Bl- I mean, every rookie's gonna. I mean, you got these big, massive guys coming at you. Um, one thing it helps, you know, playing in Alabama where you're gonna see that that a lot too. But uh, I, I mean, I, I do love the fact that he has a good offensive line because I think of some of these rookies like a Trevor, uh, maybe even a Zach. Uh, Danny can talk a little more about that. But the offensive lines are gonna help. Are gonna cause them to struggle more than they would if they had a better, uh, solid line. Um, I'm just gonna jump in here quickly. Okay. Uh, just, I, just, I just want to add, because Big Brad made some really excellent notes. Jeff Howe with the tweet of the day, because I remember when Cam got cut, he was meeting his kids' teachers, and he's literally just sent a tweet out saying, I just wanted to meet with my kids' teachers. Um, but, no, my – Ali said the whole uh, Cam Tua thing just big because Big Brad. Obviously, now there's all those, like, outside doubt with Tua where it's like, oh, hey, is he the guy for the job? I feel like now when we throw him in the fire like this, it's kind of like – I think we're going to see a similar to what happened with Josh Allen, where you're going to see those growing pains, but at the same time, too, you're going to see the flashes of, hey, what's what he can truly be in this league. Um, another point I saw on Twitter today that I wanted to point out, because you know a lot of times people compare like different athletes to different sports to each other. It's like saying, like for example, like Tom Brady's like Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. The one that I saw for Cam really intrigued me, and I really agreed with it, hey, is Cam Newton, Allen Iverson. Like, are they the same thing, you know, where they were MVP caliber, but then they start to fall off and they kind of refused, um, like, bench roles later on in their career when they truly started to be on the downside of it? It, it is a good comparison. And, like, certainly culturally, you know, they had they had a sizable influence. And they were pretty one of a kind. There was no one else really like them. Like, they're... I don't think Josh Allen, I mean, I get it. He's also big. He also has a cannon, but it's it's different with Cam, the things Cam was doing early in his career. So, yeah, I think I think that's a really good comparison. You know my thing, Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan. Tom Brady is Bill Russell. That's what Tom Brady will be remembered as, the Bill Russell of the NFL. Mark it down right now. But anyways, moving on. Oh, no, I like that. I was just saying, like, I was just giving a brief example. That's all. Like, uh, yeah, yeah that, that, that's all. That's all. But, um. No, moving on now, because obviously we're going to talk about the AFC East. Um, 
I'm going to hand things over uh, before because obviously Phil and I can talk about the Patriots and where we think they rank. But I think we're, uh, I'm going to talk. We'll talk to Danny about his Jets in a bit. But I think we're all in agreement here that the Bills are probably going to win the division. Or do they we should. think definitely 100 should? I mean, there's no, there's nothing that points that they shouldn't. Um, Unless COVID gets their locker room. Unless COVID roots. The one, the one thing about the Bills, they, they, they're playing around with it. I, like, and I know that we've talked a little bit about it with Cam. Why, like, to me, why they have not cut Cole Beasley is beyond me. The guy's not a talent. He's a superstar. He's not big enough where you're going to risk forfeiting a game because Cole Beasley wants to be an idiot. Like, I don't understand that from a Bills perspective. Like, Maybe they're still trying to work him, get him to get it back. I don't know. Even the other guy that came out, like he went and got it. He's like for the greater good. It's like if you here's a player that clearly won't doesn't isn't thinking the team in mind. I think that could hurt the Bills. Like I'm, that's just an outside thing looking at it. Like, but other than that, yeah. I mean, the Bills should win the division. There's no nothing else that points to that. You know, that points that they shouldn't. I I think we should. I'll save I'll save my comments on my team when it's time to talk about the Dolphins. Um, I do think. The Dolphins have a chance. I do think the Patriots, too. Um, I, I will talk about that a little bit later. They should, but, um, you know, like, they, they got to see if they can sustain what they did last year. We've only seen really one year of it, so we need to see that doubled up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're in a good position. There's no doubt about that. I will say they, they went 6-0 in the division last year, I believe. I don't think that's happening. I'll say that. Oh, right. no. Well, I mean, they – I mean – Arguably, you could say. I mean, there was they had a close games too. So I, yeah, I don't think that's happening either. I'm definitely. They also they also have I think the first or second toughest uh, first seven game stretch of the season. Like their their schedule to start is brutal, man. But and they go, they, they go I got it right here. Can I? They also I got go, it right here. Can I say it? Yeah, yeah. Um, they open so they basically they open at home to Pittsburgh. Then they go to Miami, which sorry, Big Rat W. Um, <laughs> football team. Texans, Chiefs, Titans, then they have their bye week, and then they have the Dolphins, Jags, Jets, Colts, Saints on Thanksgiving, Patriots, Bucks, Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, Jets. That December stretch for them right there where they have the Patriots, the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Patriots again, that's like that that stretch right there, and then having the Chiefs and the Titans back to back on the road, that that could spell some trouble for them. Yeah, but the the thing with me on them is like you know like it, it's like how the Patriots have been you know like I just totally expect them to win out win the division flat out. It's just like can they get back to the spot they were in last year? And they upgraded the pass rush for sure. That's what I'm really looking at this year is how great is that pass rush? Because that's what you're gonna need to get to the Super Bowl. Ah, uh, boy, you you still gonna laugh at my Greg Rousseau's just as good as Jalen Phillips take from a few he's months look, now? He's looking a lot better than Jalen Phillips, I'll say. But I, it's still early. It's still early. It's okay. You you think that's a dunk on me? Those are both my boys. I was saying that for months, and you were critical of me for it. I, that's not my Jalen Phillips. Unfortunately, can't be my crush anymore. I hate to break it to you, and uh, you know he's he's injury prone. That is what it is. Sorry. Any- any any Canes football fan could tell you that Greg Rousseau was as dominant, if not more so, than Jalen Phillips was when he was here. I don't know, man. We'll see. Anywho. <laughs> no, we'll see. But the thing with the Bills, too, for me is is the running game. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Like, how are they going to be this year? Because last year, obviously, there was points where they were good, but there was points where they struggled. That's the thing I want to see. Because also, too, and Big Rats pointed this out before, and I've noticed this. With Josh Allen's got to stop this either because when he gets sacked, he just doesn't get sacked for a few yards. No, it like goes from like first and ten to like second and twenty three. Like he's got to stop that. Like if he's gonna take a sack, it, it has to be like five six yards max. Like you can't 
do that where you back yourself up into a corner and then it's safe. You get in and complete on like say second and 23 and then third and 23, you're hoping for a bomb. Like I think he's got to stop stepping back so much. There's still an element to his game. And I, I mean, I look, I've, I've been very critical of Josh Allen on this podcast and I'm the first to admit he played great last year. He deserves a lot of credit. I don't think it's wrong for me to expect to ask for another year before I fully buy in. Lord knows last year I was told a hundred times what Tannehill did in Tennessee is not good enough. He needs to do it again. We don't know if any of this is real. I was told that all over the internet last summer. So I don't know why <laughs> the same thing shouldn't apply to Josh Allen. So I agree. And, uh, but I will say, like, to, to Griff's point, it just goes the same core criticism that I've had. I still think you you really saw it in that Chiefs game, in the AFC title game. He There's times where he just – he's a spaz. He'll take a 20-yard sack. He'll freak out, and he'll go to his right and throw like an errant throw. Like, he was dominant last year. But what if they have, like, more offensive line injuries this year, for example, and he's playing behind a bad O-line? Is he going to consistently get 10-yard sacks and up the interceptions? Like, because that's, that's not going to be conducive to winning. So we'll see. He did also have a lot of dropped interceptions last year, a lot. So it's just it's just that X factor to his game is his scrambling ability, man. He's so he's so he's so great with that, and I think that's what makes up for their you know lack of talent on on running back. But yeah, that's we'll a good see. point. That's a good point. I agree with that too because I think he's able to kind of get out of uh, situations that some quarterbacks aren't able to do. Correct. But I mean, uh, I, not one hundred. This not one hundred percent. You know, they're they're trying to repeat. So I mean, there's there's still a mentality like you know, until you see consistently like, do, are the Bills going to be? I mean, yeah, the Bills should be able to, but like you know, are they able to keep that going? Like I think Big Red pointed out. No, no, one hundred percent. Um, the next person I wanted to have talk is Danny, just because obviously for Big Rat, Phil, and I, I feel like we know who we're going to put in second place, second and third place in the AFCs, because obviously I feel like Phil and I are going to say Patriots, Big Rat's going to say Dolphins, and then we're going to say Dolphins third, and then Phil and I are going to say, and then Big Rat's going to say Patriots third. But Danny, who do you have finishing second in the AFC East? Right now, as far as today, I have the Dolphins, unfortunately, after the news. <laughs> really? That yeah, really surprises after, after, the, after the news, I have the Dolphins finishing second. Patriots third, obviously, we're last. Listeners, I'm I'm floored, floored to hear him say that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think it's he sounded like so excited person. about it too. <laughs> I think the Bills are blowing it away. You know, they're clearly it's not even going to be competitive to be uh, the first place team. But um, you know, I think the, the Dolphins will do enough to sneak by the Patriots. So, um, are we going to my Jets? Oh, yeah, yeah, Jets, Jets. Talk. Yeah. Yeah, let's, go ahead, let's go Jets. Let's go Jets. So, very excited coming into the season. Carl Lawson absolutely destroying training camp. You know, we haven't had a pass rusher in, in God knows how long. We've been over this mo- multiple times. Guy John Abraham. Down. Guy goes down with a torn Achilles, man. The be- You know, the best thing in camp every day. This guy's getting no, no, no bullshit. Two to three sacks at camp on Makai Beckman, you know, which worries me a little bit how he's going to adjust to the scheme. But we lose him, and, you know, throughout the preseason, the defenses just look bad, like very, very bad. I think they're going to rank in the, in the bottom three of defenses in the entire league. They can't stop the run, can't stop the pass. But the one shining star, the one bright spot is my boy Zach Wilson. I know, I know. Same thing with Mac. It's been against backups. But it's been perfect, you know. It's like, like, like mentally, physically, mobility – 
just like you know he, he made that one BYU throw against the uh, against the Packers you know he's just passing everything that's put in front of him and I was a little concerned because you know the beat reporters were like Zach's not looking that great in camp he's struggling blah 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 but what I've seen on the TV the guy he's he's been looking like a bowler so very excited for him um I'm probably going to expect five wins this year I don't maybe even four because I think the defense is just going to be that bad and you know we're going to constantly give up high 20 point games 30 point games and unfortunately we're not gonna have the talent to um make up for that but i think we're building i think we're going in the right direction we have a shitload of uh draft capital next year and i'm just gonna watch the season to evaluate zach make sure we we hit on them yeah, my big thing with the jets is uh sorry phil before i go i just want to say this as well um it's I, I like your attitude where it's like you want to watch towards the future. Like you already know the season's a write-off. Kind of like, hey, let's pr- let's prepare and get ready for 2022. But if you guys can hang in tight with a couple of teams, like say, for example, when you play the Bills, the Jets, the Patriots, other AFC, AFC teams, or even the NFC teams that you play as well. If you can have those performances where, say, hey, if you lose, but you lose, let's say, 21 to 20, kind of like what we saw last year. Um, Big Rad and I watched the uh, Bucks and the Giants game where the Giants lost by two points. Like if you can have – Games like that, too, it's only going to show going forward, hey, the Jets are only here to stay. Like, they're coming. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, like I'm saying, like, if the offense, you know, it's been years since the offense has been better than the defense on this team, you know. But if if if, if Zach can score points consistently, you know, that that's a great sign, you know, because I love our – I like our receivers a lot. I like Zach. I think the O-line's almost getting there. You know, we're, we're probably, like, two pieces away. As long as Becton doesn't flop this year, which, you know, I'm, I'm a little – little uh about – but, you know, as long as we have that offense in place and we can just focus straight on defense next year, you know, like th- this team can can be something in the future. But, you know, the, the, the number one concern is, is Zach's got to be what he showed in the preseason, which obviously is not going to be exactly that. But if he if he's, you know, looking like the rookie offensive rookie of the year, which I would bet on, by the way, Zach Wilson offensive rookie of the year. then uh, yeah, watch out for the Jets in 2022, 2023. Yeah, I think so, with Zach. With Zach, Danny, is that like you got to like, and I said this kind of earlier, but like you just got to you got to protect him because um, one of the weaknesses I, I mean, I obviously saw it firsthand when he played Coastal, but like when he had pressure, like he just isn't the same guy. Which I mean, that you could really make that case with any quarterback. So I'm not saying that that's a major point, but I think with Zach, if you can, you just like obviously, like you said, you know, you're looking for four or five wins. You just want to protect him because I mean, you don't want to keep you want to you don't want his confidence to be completely shot, you know, in his first year. So. I think that's just the key. I mean, it, I know that you can say that just about about any rookie quarterback, but I think with Zach, um, you know, when he has time and he's able to do his thing, like you mentioned, the Packers played. I mean, I, I looked at it. and I'm like, okay, that's Zach Wilson. That's going to be is what that's what that's why they drafted him. You know, that's the kind of guy. So I, I will say that I just think that you know, got to protect him. If he's getting beat up and destroyed. Like it's not going to help anything. No, of course, and that's why any quarterback. I think that's right. going to be a big problem with Trevor Lawrence as well. You know, I, I, hate, I hate the scheme that he's in too. But um, I think, you know, like, we literally hit on an offensive coordinator. I think this scheme perfectly fits Zach. You know, he's going to be in motion. The guy can th- has a cannon on the run, you know, completely mobility, uh, complete mobility. And, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen him get hit in, uh, in preseason. I mean, he's been getting touched in camp but not hit. So he has not taken one quarterback hit yet uh, in preseason. So he's got, a, he's got a fierce D-line coming in week one with, uh, with Carolina. So I'm very interested to see how that works out. Yeah, but the- the best thing about that is that he can he can sling that ball though. I'll give him props. Oh my god, yes. 
when he when he can do it, he he, he can sling it. I saw that firsthand, even though we you know we did beat him. So the thing the thing that impressed me the most is he's not staring down his receivers either. He's it's quick quick hitch, boom, balls out. You know, go, right, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. And that, that's big. That's that's one of the biggest things for a rookie quarterback that takes the takes the most time to adjust to. But again, we still haven't seen it against you know starters. So take it with yeah, a grain of salt. One uh, final point on that is I will say too, Danny is like honestly, if you make a case, like all the qu- rookie quarterbacks quarterbacks have looked good. So the real true test is going to be these games in the season. You know, like this is where this is where we're going to really get the test for these guys. Like they, we all knew they were already good. They showed good, they were good in the preseason. So this is we're not going to really know and work out the kinks and see who really can handle it until the season starts. Of course, I think it's the case for everybody. And I I want to add that one. I was going to talk to Danny about this because I thought it was notable. Sion Fahey, I still I still have his Patreon, and he did a whole thing breaking down all the rookie quarterbacks. Had nice things to say about Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. And uh, one thing he noticed in his breakdown was for most of Zach Wilson's snaps in the preseason, it was almost always a six-man protection. They almost always kept the tight end into block, which I thought was interesting, obviously, today with, with trading Herndon. And I know Herndon was struggling in camp anyways, but the fact – the fact that they they traded him and now with what is it Trayvon Wesco and Tyler Croft it's like they're very rarely probably going to go out in routes they're probably going to stay in the block a, a higher than normal percentage of the time obviously they're still going to get targets here and there but they're going to the Jets seem committed to making sure okay even if Beckton's struggling even if the O line's going to have some issues we're going to keep that tight end in there like as much as we possibly can to make sure he has more protection than usual so I, so- I think that's pretty encouraging. What I see with that is, I mean, George cut- Fant played a little tight end in Seattle. You know, I yeah. can see him being, you know, part of part of the uh, part of the uh, jumbo package with that. But I definitely, you know, they're gonna they're gonna claim a couple tight ends here. You know, tomorrow, if you, if you're getting a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon, bro, that you you completely fleece the Vikings. I don't know what they're expecting to get out of Chris Herndon. Guys, just I don't know. I don't know what they see. Uh- um, one thing I want to say quickly about the Jets too is, and the other player I want to look at too is Vera Tucker as well, just to see how he's for camp. I haven't paid too too much attention to the Jets, but uh, the other one, I was going to say that tight end from Tampa Bay, I saw your tweet about that, but also I saw earlier tonight your tweet about the fourth thing saying, basically, quote for quote, Joe Douglas is a fucking thief. Um, a lot of these like tight end sense where they're in the block reminds me of, like, this is, a, this seems like a very Mike LaFleur thing to do. Like, I remember, that's why they used, how they used George Kittle a lot in 2019. He was good in passing, but he was also really good in block protection for the 49ers. So that's, that just seems like a very Mike LaFleur thing to do, if unless I'm mistaken. No, yeah, but, you know, like, you're not comparing Tyler Croft to, to George Kittle at all. No, 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 not at all, not at all. I'm just saying the blocking schemes, how they're using the tight ends. Oh, more, yeah, how they're, yeah. It, dep- it, dep- it depends. How they're utilizing they're the tight ends in the blocking they, scheme. They have they have the number two uh, priority claim tomorrow. So there's there's a couple good ones out there. I like Jay Collister. I like, uh, I forgot the guy's name from Tampa Bay, but their fan base loved him. So uh, I'm hoping they put a claim on him. Tanner Hudson, yes. So I'm hoping they get a claim in on them. And, uh, you know, you look at tight end next year, you start prioritizing that. You know, hopefully uh, Big Red's play shakes free. Gusecki. He, I mean, I will say as a as a diehard Dolphin fan, when your team when your team extends Jerome Baker, who is in the same draft class as Mike Gusecki, exact same draft class, exactly the same eligible for an extension. They extend Jerome Baker, they don't extend Gusecki, and then they draft a tight end in the third round. I mean... You know, I mean, actions speak louder than words. So I definitely am right concerned. on the wall. I'm concerned. It's it very. It smells like a Hunter Henry, John Smith situation right now, which is not not encouraging. I mean, I like to hear that, but at the same time, too, like, 
I know it kind of sucks for you on your end, but um, <laughs> you know what, Big Rat? I know your time. I know your time's very limited, and Phil and I can go on for a while about this. But with your with your Dolphins this year, how exactly are like where are you feeling as as the Dolphin fan? Where like what are your th- thoughts on this team going into twenty twenty one? Uh, and thank you for that. And, um, I do, have, I do have a little more time than I thought I would. So I'll stay on, I'll stay on until, until I have to head out, but, uh, I'll definitely, I love ha- it. definitely happy to talk about the fins. So yeah, I mean, this is a, it's been kind of a roller coaster a couple of weeks here. So before the Watson stuff kind of resurfaced, everyone's, everyone was pretty excited. Like the Xavier Howard stuff got resolved and from everything I know, about him, both through the beat writers that you can follow on Twitter and some of the insiders that I know that I, that I subscribe to their Patreon and they literally in their Patreon, they, they post like, they post really, really deep inside information and no one's allowed to post it on social media. They actually threatened us with legal action if any of us did it. So it really, really is that unique. And, uh, everyone's excited. The Xavier Howard stuff got resolved. And from what I know about X and every, all the reporting the last two years, that guy is truly like straight up a businessman. There is no ill will. There is no resentment. They gave him his little raise. Like he's going to play his ass off because he's, he can't go out there and play like garbage and then expect to get big money from someone else if he does get cut or traded. So I don't think that's going to affect the season at all. Like he's always been like this. He, he's always been aware. Yeah, they could trade me at any moment. So whatever, no big deal. It is what it is kind of, kind of mentality. So I think if he goes out, and he proves himself. They're going to do this this song and dance again next summer. And if he plays well, I think they'll do the same thing. They'll just go year to year. The guy's under contract for four years with no guaranteed money left in any of the years after this year. That's why he's unhappy. He can get cut in August at any moment with three years left on his deal, and he won't see another dime of it. Like, it, it really is a bad contract on his end. It's a great contract for the Dolphins. So – They'll just year by year, based on his play, they'll guarantee some more money if he's still playing well. And then hopefully he makes it through the end of the deal. But we'll see. Certainly with the that and with the domestic violence situation he had last year and his injury concerns, if so, if they're kind of at two strikes with him. If something else goes bad, I think he's out of here um, in some way, shape, or form. But in any event, the X stuff got resolved. Tua has looked great, like not just from what you see in the preseason. Apparently, he's been lighting it up in practice. Apparently, him and Albert Wilson were connecting on nine routes, like every single day, burning the defense for a 60-yard touchdown, every single day with Albert Wilson. And he's barely practiced with Will Fuller. He's looked really good in practice with almost no playing time with Will Fuller so far up to now. Will Fuller has only practiced like two or three times. And uh, so the offenses look good. It's looked good in preseason, too. I don't put too much stock into that, but it's looked good. I've liked his pocket movement a lot. I think he's when pressure's coming up the middle, he has a really good subtle sidestep to move up in the pocket and throw for a touchdown. If you watch in the Falcons preseason game, his touchdown to Miles Gaskin, he did something very similar to that. He wasn't doing that as often last year, so I'm really excited to see that. I know it's preseason, but just seeing him face a live rush, sidestep it, step up and throw, I think that's really, really encouraging. And by all accounts, I mean, every pass is down the field. Every single pass in practice is a bomb of some kind. It's it's a whole new offense. The offensive line looks bad, but, you know, it wasn't that good last year. I'm hoping it gets better as the season goes along. I fully recognize that it's going to be bad to start, but I think it's a good staff. I think that when they think the O-line is going to get overwhelmed, they have a counter now. They're going to throw a screen pass to Jakeem Grant or Jalen Waddle and hope they make a big play out of it. 
you saw a little bit of that in the second preseason game. They definitely had their plays where they're going to try to go bombs away, which we didn't see a whole lot of last year. That's definitely in the playbook. But if, Bel- if Flores really thinks – I almost said Belichick there. If Flores really <laughs> thinks I'm going to get rocked by this D-line this week – it's okay, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle. And I think that's going to be their ace in the hole to counter that if that ever becomes an issue. And Salvan Ahmed, too. Salvan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin are just roasting linebackers in practice. Like they'll use them. People are disappointed in them fantasy wise as rushers, and they should be. I'm not going to run away from that. But they're going to be involved in the pass game, too, in the quick passing game as a counter. So I think the O line is bad. I'm not, say it's, I'm not going to say it's not. It has a lot of young players. The hope is it gets better as the year goes along. Their third-round draft pick in 2019, Michael Dieter, he played left guard on the tanking tanking Dolphins in 2019. He was he was horrible. Like, he was really, really bad. Last year, he was a backup. He straight up was not allowed to start. This year, he's their starting center. Um, they signed Matt Skura. He didn't play well. They released him today, or yesterday, I should say. And so starting him at center when he was bad at left guard, third-round pick out of 2019 is – Super concerning. There's no other way to say that. But I'm hoping he gets better as the year goes along. I'm hoping Austin Jackson gets better as the year goes along. And I think the defense is going to be what it always is. Like, they got lucky with turnovers last year. The problem is, Xavier Howard is the best intercepting cornerback in football. Like, yes, he gets turnovers at a higher than average rate of your typical cornerback. That's not fluky. Like, he leads the NFL in picks since 2017, and he's missed 16 games since that span. And he still leads the NFL. He's not just the best. He is way better than everybody else at it. Way better. Like, he's the kind of guy that can get eight interceptions again. And it shouldn't be called a fluke. It shouldn't be called a hot streak. He's better than everyone at it. Like, Russell Wilson has a high touchdown rate every year. He's It doesn't regress for him like it does for everybody else. Sometimes the rules are different for some of the great players. And so I think the defense is going to be really – the defense is going to be better. I think the D-line is going to be a lot better. I think losing Shaq Lawson – and getting another year of Ogba, and Andrew Van Ginkle's going to play more. Andrew Van Ginkle had a really big role last year. He played great last year in the limited sub-pass rusher role. I think they're going to play him a lot more this year, with Jalen Phillips as well, obviously. I think their pass rush is going to get better. Losing Van Noy certainly hurts. I'm not going to act like he did nothing. He was very involved in the pass rush. He was very involved in identifying routes and run defense. He was important. But I think the pass rush is going to be a lot better than it was last year. So that has me a little excited because the cornerbacks are still going to be strong. Uh, Eric Rowe might be might be one of the most underrated players in football. He was bad with the Eagles and Patriots, but he moved to safety and he has a very specific role. He is their tight end eliminator and he's very, very good at it. He he locked down George Kittle last year when they played. The only two guys who lit him up were Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. But George Kittle locked him down. Every other elite tight end, good tight end, locked him down. He, He guarded Kyle Pitts in a joint practice and held him to 0 for 3 on three targets. Like he's He's really, really good in this role. He's not the player that you remember him from in New England or in, or in Philly. He's a very important part of the team, and he's, he's done really, really well. So I'm excited for the team. The Watson thing is, you know, kind of crazy. So based on all the reporting I've read, the Dolphins were involved. They were definitely involved. They were never going to trade the three first-round picks or anything like that. Their logic was they knew he wasn't going to play this year. So their logic was they wanted to see if they could trade just a first round pick for him. Just one, a conditional one. Also, they trade like a conditional first, keep him, know that he's not going to play this year. And, you know, that way. So two, no matter what, no matter what Tua was always going to be their 2021 starter, always 100%. He was never involved in the trade off in Houston and Watson's going to be suspended. We all know that by the NFL at some point. So 
They knew that Watson, their goal was to get him. And then, no doubt, if Tua was bad, they probably would have moved on from Tua to Deshaun Watson. If Tua was really good, they would have tried to flip Watson if his legal issues got resolved, they were going to try to flip him for multiple first round picks and a second round pick that the Texans were going to ask for in the first place. So their whole logic was they buy this asset at its lowest possible point and then flip it and get first round draft picks out of it. Or if the quarterback was bad, they can, he could just be their new quarterback. That's how they kind of viewed it as a win-win. It's like, there's no way we fail. Obviously this is, you have to remember that Chris Greer and his office, they think very analytically. They think like venture capitalists. These are the guys that always sign failed former first-round picks. They signed Taco Charlton. They signed Robert Candici. Remember, this is the team that signed Isaiah Wilson after he imploded with the Titans. They always think this way. They always think, okay, like the risk-reward, get the big reward. Remember, this is the team that traded a second-round pick for Josh Rosen. They did not put Josh Rosen in a position to succeed. Their O-line was destroyed when they made that trade. They let Juwan James walk in free agency. They traded Tunsil in training camp, and they didn't. They weren't aggressive. They didn't sign any new offensive linemen or new wide receivers to have an, a supportive ecosystem on offense. They traded a second-round pick where it was like Josh Rosen would have to be a truly excellent quarterback to overcome abysmal surrounding conditions. That's a second-round pick. That's not nothing. Like, they... This is how they think. They take these wild swings, these big boom-bust decisions. And so their mentality, like venture capitalists, was, yeah, get Watson, and either he's your franchise quarterback or two is your franchise quarterback, and you turn Watson for more picks. Obviously, 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 I disagreed with this mentality. I don't. I think this works in theory. This works in a dynasty league. If us four were making trades and doing an analyst, this does not work on a real field with a real team with emotions with relationships with a quarterback that you benched multiple times last year this this doesn't work it it doesn't work that smoothly very obviously it would have been a problem there would have been protests outside the stadium like the fans like me as a fan i i was really scared cuz it was going to be really uncomfortable i don't want to root for this guy right now like i I talked about on the YWC Football 100 episode how much football means to me and its relationship with my family. Like, I would have felt incredibly uncomfortable rooting for this guy. Like, I I don't know if you you guys can't really understand this because you have Mac Jones and Zach Wilson now. But to any prospective fan and the Deshaun Watson rumors like the Eagles, the Broncos, the Panthers, like, it is awkward. It is really concerning. Like, it puts me in an uncomfortable position. The guy's got 22 civil cases and 10 criminal charges. So, there would have been a massive backlash. There would have been protests. Like it would have been uncomfortable. Every player would have been asked about it. I, I just don't think they could have gotten out of it that cleanly where they could have made the trade with no issues. There would have been a firestorm. So it's further. They got saved from themselves by all accounts. Brian Flores was interested in Deshaun Watson at the start. When the legal stuff came up, he was like, absolutely not. We're going to go with Tua. like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Stephen Ross really wanted Deshaun Watson. And that's that was something that was reported by the Dolphin Insiders that you saw reported by Mike Florio earlier today. They reported it a few days ago. And so I can confirm like that now that it's public. Like, yes, Stephen Ross really wanted Deshaun Watson. He's 81 years old. You know, he really wants – he has that Jerry Jones thing where he's like really desperate to win a Super Bowl and he's fearing his own mortality. And by all accounts, like it's the same logic. It's like he does like Tua, but like – He's so desperate to win, and he thinks the defense is ready. 
and he's so desperate to win that he just wants to he doesn't want to give it the same process that other first round picks get where they get two to three years daniel jones has been terrible for like two years and like they're never involved in these conversations ever darnold got three years josh allen was terrible for two years before his third year like most teams give their quarterbacks this like time as a function of being a first round pick and Stephen Ross, I think normally that was the plan, but then Watson became available and he was like, man, fuck, like if we get Watson, I can win a Super Bowl next year. Like how many more years do I have left? And so by all accounts, he was the one heavily involved. And, you know, like Danny knows this, having James Dolan as your owner for the New York Knicks, for all the good things the Dolphins have done, their owner is still impulsive. Their owner still makes bad decisions. So I personally, as a fan, I'm happy that it didn't go through. By all accounts, this is put to bed. Like, who knows, like, it's, if, like, Tua gets hurt or something like that happens, I don't know. But for all accounts, right now, this has been put to bed. And the Texans are cool keeping Watson on the roster. And the Texans are cool. Team, I know that was a long-winded rant. I just don't it's, – um, it's awkward. Like, I was feeling really good. I thought Tua was going to take the second-year leap. I thought he was going to have, like – 28 touchdowns and 10 interceptions this year. I thought he was going to be more aggressive. He looked really good in the preseason. His wide receiver room is deep. I don't care that those guys get hurt. He has seven of them that can all start. Yes, Devontae's injury prone, Will Fuller's injury prone, Jalen Waddle's injury prone, and Albert Wilson's injury prone, but all those guys are really good. As long as two of them are available at any given point, we'll be okay. So I, I was really excited about the offense, and I think the defense would regress a little bit in terms of turnovers, not from Xavier Howard, though, from like the fumbles that they were recovering a lot, the special teams turnovers they were getting. They would regress in that sense, but I think they would be improved as a secondary with more time to kind of bring everything together. Last year, this was the best team and the best defense in the NFL on third down. And that's not fluky. That is not fluky. That is sticky year to year. So that is something they can sustain. So I was really excited about the team. I thought they were going to make the playoffs. I thought they were going to challenge Buffalo. This Watson thing... I don't know if there's remnants of this that affects Tua's confidence. I don't know how it affects the locker room. I don't know. But I will say, I think the Mac Jones decision is a significant milestone in the Dolphins' season. Because I think the Dolphins can win that game now. Whereas I wasn't thinking that before with Cam. Just because I think Brian Flores against the rookie quarterback could be the new Belichick against the rookie quarterback. But also, Brian Flores is really good against the mobile quarterbacks. Like everyone saw Oh, he humiliated Jared Goff. It's the Josh Allens and Cam Newton in the opener last year actually did some damage on the ground with his legs against the Dolphins defense. Um, those are the and Russell Wilson, like those are the guys that give B-Flow problems. I think someone like Mac is right up his alley. A rookie that might be confused by all the different coverages he's going to throw out and he's immobile. I think that's a win-win for Brian Flores. So I think the Dolphins, if the Dolphins win this game, I think that's a significant development in the season for both of our teams. Because that could determine which of these two teams makes the playoffs. If the Dolphins win the game in Foxborough, that, not exaggerating when I say that, could fundamentally change their season. It's that important. Because last year they started 0-2 against the Patriots and the Bills. They can't do that again. As close as they were to the playoffs last year, the Patriots are better. I think other teams in the AFC are better, like the Broncos. They can't do that again. They can't, they can't start 0-2 again. They have to win at least one of those two games. And I know you guys think Buffalo's going to win Week 2. I think that's fair. So I think winning that Patriots... Patriots game is key. So that's how I'm kind of tying it back in with New England. And so that kind of sums up my feelings. Uh, still still feeling pretty good, all things considered. And thank you very much for that, Big Rat. That's what, like, I know it was a long-winded ramp, but you know what? That's what this show is for. Like, look, we're all excited. Nine days out to kick off uh, 12 for our teams, obviously, because we play at 425. Danny's team plays the Panthers at 1 o'clock. 
Um, no, I agree with your point, honestly, about the whole, look, you want to start 1-1 and because there's that crazy stat where a lot of the teams that start 0-2, it's yeah. really tough to make the playoffs there. And even when you think about it, that, like, because, whoo, I'm losing training my, uh, training my, I'm losing my wording. But that week one game, because the Patriots and the Dolphins, folks, they meet week one. When do they meet again? Mm-hmm. Week 18. There is a very good chance. And I said this to Big Rat when the schedule came out. I think we both agreed upon this. Yep. That game could be the uh, Sunday night uh, football game. Hey, winner's wild card, loser, we'll see you in September. But even, too, the one thing we have to remember is, obviously, ESPN got rid of the Monday night doubleheader for week one. It's now a Saturday night doubleheader for week 18. So it could even go in there. Yeah. But that, that those two games are going to be crucial for both sides. So those games, look, I know a lot of people look at week one as, okay, let's see where we go. But look, a lot of those games, because like I even said last year, the whole what if the Patriots had beaten the Seahawks or beaten the Broncos or beaten the, the Bills of Camden and Fumble. That's a 10-6 and six football team from 7-9. and nine. Yeah. Th- this game is huge. The Patriots have to win this game. But the Dolphins, they can afford to lose it, but they can't afford to lose it and then lose to Buffalo the next week. It's a, this is a huge game. It's a huge game for both teams. Yeah, I think I agree with you guys, what you're both saying. I mean, that's, uh, I want to say too, real quick before I forget, uh, Big Rack, I, I really loved your uh, analysis on the fact that with Watson in the Dynasty League aspect, because I think yeah. that, like, that's so true. Like, I think, like, yeah, if you're sitting here like us, like, we can just trade amongst each other, no, like, emotions are involved. Yeah, you, you, you make that play. But when you got more, the, there's more than that to that. In real, like in in real life, in real football, and I think you know, detrimenting, you know, not having the confidence in your quarterback in, in Tua uh, isn't worth all that. So I agree with that point, first of all. But yeah, I, th- I mean, I think you're great analysis, and I think that um, that week one is a huge game, especially now that it's gonna be Max first game. So um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was good. That was really good, Big Ra. I'll give you one. I'll give you a point in there. Um, <laughs> The thing for me, bro, is is honestly, I am a little bullish on the Dolphins a little bit more than I have been. It's just still that X factor is going to be Tua, bro. I know he's lighting it up in practice against the same defense every day. I just want to see. I know when adversity has hit him so far in the NFL, it just hasn't looked good. So once he passes that test, you know, I'll start giving him credit. But, you know, right now it's just I can't go all in on him. I could see, I could see, like you said, with X being the best uh corner in the league right now or the best uh what do you call it intercepting best interceptor uh, intercepting corner in the league you know i could see i could see a 2000 you know nine jet like run where the quarterback isn't isn't good but the defense is you know carrying it so that's why i'm bullish i, I like Co- coach flow he's cool i think he's a really good coach but I, i'm just not all in on tool yet i think it's and, and it's fair like look i mean I, I won't say otherwise. It's the preseason. You know, all the caveats I made about Zach Wilson's preseason performance would apply to Tua as well. Like, I don't deny that. I will say, man, for all the talk about how much help this guy had in college, he had all these elite receivers and this great offensive line and Bama and all that. This guy has been through a lot. He broke his hip. He thought his career was going to end. He got yanked multiple times last year. He's had to deal with this Watson stuff all summer. This dude's been through a lot. He's a, he's a tough guy. Like, We'll see what happens in the season, but it, he, hasn't, he hasn't had a shortage of, of adversity up to this point. That's for sure. No, no, 100%. Like, um, and by the way, when we were talking about wins and losses total, I have Miami going. I think their floor is 9-8 and eight and the ceiling's 11-6. and six. Like, I think that's pretty yeah. much fair because they were 10-6 and, they were, uh, 10 and six la- ten and six last year, right, Big Rat? Yeah, they were 10-6. and six. They were 10-6 and six and missed the playoffs. Yeah, it's the rare ten and six you miss, but um, like it's like us in a way the eleven and five season. 
That's like that's why I feel like because like I feel like this team isn't going to get worse than last year. Like I don't think there's any like re- real regression that you can see with the Dolphins team. The only way to go is up. The only way they can get worse is if Tua doesn't make those next strides. But if he makes those next strides, this team's easily winning double-digit football games. I I would hope so. And they the beauty of it is like they they most of their hardest games are in the division. Most of their hardest games are against the Patriots and Bills. Uh, sorry, Danny, but they play the Jets twice. And uh, they, you know, like our division, we play the Falcons this year. We play the Texans. We play the Panthers. There's a lot of soft stuff out there. So if they can, that's why I keep saying these first two weeks, if they could somehow go 2-0, I don't know how they missed the playoffs. If they beat the Patriots and Bills to start the year, like I, they would have to royally fuck up to miss the playoffs at that point. The other thing I want to make as well is um, I remember you were saying to me when the schedule came out that you were pissed because – the, the the Ravens come to you guys on a Thursday night, and I believe in November. If yep. you can win a game like that, even two, I think it'll speak volumes for your season. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was, and I'm, I'm, I am upset that they just copy and pasted last year's start to the season at New England, home to Buffalo. But now, I mean, to be honest, now I'm not so mad about it after the Mac, Mac Jones news came out. So that 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 is hopeful. They got they do so, got to steal. They got to steal one of those games against a team that is perceived as better than them that they didn't really steal last year. They stole the the Cardinals game uh, when Tua played great in the fourth quarter, but the Cardinals were just kind of a, a middle of the road team. They need to steal a game against the Tampa Bay, who they play against the Patriots in Foxborough, Buffalo, the Ravens. It's got to be something like that. That's going to be the difference. Just don't forget the New York Jets last year beat more playoff teams than the Miami Dolphins did. Don't forget that the Dolphins, the Jets scored three points against the Dolphins in two games last year. I'm talking overall season, bro. I'm not talking head to head. You guys should be doing that against a two and fourteen team. Yeah, but remember when we told you that you guys were going to beat Cleveland and you <laughs> did not buy it at I, all? I still, I still stick by my, um, by my reasoning to that. If they had their wide receivers and their, uh, what was it? Just the receivers were out, right? If they yeah, had them, it just, it's a whole, it was, it's a whole another game. Yeah, I forgot Jarvis Landry is worth like 15 points to the spread because you're also ignoring the fact that you said you would crush them, that the Browns would crush the Jets. They would have. They really would have, bro. Yeah, for the for the team that uses its receivers less often than like any team in the NFL. They run the ball as much as anyone. They target the running backs and the tight ends in the passing game more than pretty much any other team but Baltimore, but sure. Anywho, Dolphins, 10 and 7 or 11 and 6. Book it. But like, I feel like the only way they would go like 7 and like 7 and 10, for example, would have to be like you said, Tua would either have to royally fuck up or they it would it would just have to be a bad season as a whole. If they go if they go 7 and 10, this is gonna sound like an exaggeration, but I, I think the process matters. If they go 7 and 10 because the locker room like totally fell apart, like with Tua with B flow and all that, like that could get Flores fired. I, I am not saying that I think Flores is on the hot seat. I don't, I really don't think he is at all. Uh, Cause he's, he's overachieved two straight years, but if they go like six and 11 and like the reports are out that like the players are, cause there has been some rumblings of this in the past, you know, B, B flows ruthless. Like the dolphins will fucking cut like a, a legend, like Bobby McCain who was a captain last year, they'll cut him after the draft, after free agency, making it a lot harder for him to get a job. And, you know, Kyle Van Noy was very critical of them when he got cut. Like, if, if, the, if the players, if they start losing games, 
games and the players are all upset about the Watson nonsense and upset about their their captains constantly getting cut and kicked to the curb. Like if there's a mutiny like that, like like you kind of see with other Belichick assistants, like that that's that's what I'm saying. Like if they go seven and ten, it's because that happened. And if that happened, I think he's fired. So God, I mean, God forbid, hope not. But you know the drill. You know what? Wait, see, I I just don't I don't see that happening. I would think not. I would think not. But just putting it out there. Well, anyway, I'm gonna move move gears now because Phil, we're saving the best for last. <laughs> um, but no, this this Patriots team this year compared to last year, it's just it's day and night. I can go on and say what I want, but Phil, you are the resident rambler. I say that with all love and intent. So I want your thoughts on how you feel the Patriots are going to be this year. Then I'll get my thoughts and we'll get these two guys. And then you know what? We'll move on. We'll talk about the rest of the AFC. Well, it's definitely received in love, in love as well. Um, no, I, I, I'm very optimistic about the season. I was, I was already that way, uh, you know, knowing Cam was most likely at the time uh, going to be the starter. And now that we have, you know, now that it's clear that we're going to start with Mac, I'm very excited. I think um, – I've made this point at nauseum at this point. People keep saying like, oh, our team is, you know, of how bad our team was last year. And they were. But I still make this points of Dante Hightower not being on that defense is a huge factor. Now, I know we won't have Gilmore for the first six games, so that's going to be a hit. But um, we've he, had, he did miss some games last year, so I think that's not necessarily, you know, that much different. Uh, in the, but obviously he's going to be a factor when he's in the game. Um, but Hightower, I'm, I'm, I will scream that to the top of my lungs uh, th- throughout the season when everybody's like, why is this defense playing a lot better? Hightower is a huge part of that defense, and I think it's going to be a um, a difference maker, and I think people are going to see it, see what I've been saying this whole time about the defense. Um, I think, uh, and 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 one thing I will, I will say too is this is the this is kind of we're going back to what Bill Belichick has been wanting uh, built with Brady and built with in the early days. Um, and now he's doing it, uh, hopefully going to do it with Mac Jones. He has, Josh McDaniel has his quarterback that fits in his system a lot better. Um, he's got a great running game. I mean, we have really good running backs, um, even, even with training. So trading Sony Michelle, we have better receivers than last year, two tight ends that if they're healthy could be a huge part of the, not only the passing game, but the running game as well. Um, and I just think that this team is just far and away better than they were last year. Um, it does ride on, you know, how well does Mac Jones play? Um, also, how well does the uh, does our defensive backs play outside of Gilmore? I mean, I, I love J.C. Jackson. I think he's going to be great uh, like he was last year. Uh, he's just only going to get better. Kyle Duggar, I'm also a big fan of. I think he's going to do uh, – he's going to increase and be even better this year as well. Um, but, yeah, I think that um, the team just – there's just a lot of things that you can point to. Now, Grant, there's some – you know, like I said, there's going to be some uh, learning pain uh, – some growing pains. Uh, this season with Mac Jones, and there's going to be moments where, you know, there's a game that, you know, maybe a veteran would have won. Um, I'm not going to sit there and say that that won't happen because I think it will. Um, but um, I, I'm very optimistic. I think this team could very well be a playoff. I mean, we're, we were 7-9 and nine last year when we had no business being 7-9, and nine, if, we, if we really want to talk about that. Um, and, and like Griff talked about, you know, and I've said before, we could have easily had had 10 wins. I mean, there's three games you can point to right there. Kansas City, which I know, you know, whatever you want to scratch that. But, I mean, that game was close and we didn't even have a quarterback. Um, Seattle, we lost on the one-yard line. And then, of course, Buffalo with a fumble. You know, those are games that if they switch the other way, they go the other way. Um, you know, we're, we're probably still not a playoff team, but we at least, at least have 10 wins. So when we had would have no business doing that. So 
Um, I, I'm very, I'm very optimistic. I think there's some, you know, I'm obviously looking at week four, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued now, especially cause it's not, here's Bill's new guy versus Bill's old guy. Um, so I think that's a very intriguing matchup for, uh, for the Patriots and, you know, of course for Tom Brady as well. Um, but I, I'm, I'm optimistic about the season. I do. I think, I mean, if we're talking about record, I mean, I think the, I think the ceiling could be, I mean, people might call me crazy, but I think the ceiling could be 11 or 12 games. And I think the floor, um, you know, is about where we were last year. But I, I just don't think I don't I just don't think this team's going to be uh, two back to back losing seasons would shock me. Now things can happen and factors can can come into that. So you know things can change throughout the season. But um, but I definitely think uh, uh, that you know that that we're going to be a better team. And there's just elements that point to that. And I just think that um, now with Mac and the confidence um, that he has, I think he's going to be. Uh, you know, it's just going to be, I, I'm just very optimistic about it. I mean, I'm always going to be a, a, uh, a more optimistic fan. Like I'm not as a negative fan, like a lot of other people, you know, a lot of critical, I'm not, I'm going to be a lot less critical than other people, but I'm um, looking at the schedule. I just think that, uh, I just, I just think that this could be a good year and, um, shout out to Danny as, as he's leaving. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, if I look at the schedule, I mean, I see a lot of winnable games. I think that, you know, there's games that could go either way. Um, I think, I mean, call me crazy. I think that that Tampa Bay game, like, yes, yeah, on paper, it says you say Tampa Bay, but by that point, what, you know, what are we looking like? Um, and we have three, even though I know the first week one is a, is a tough matchup. We have three winnable games to start of the year. You know, we have Miami, we have the Jets and the Saints. So if we could start off, Three and zero going into that Tampa Bay game it would be huge. And even if we did lose to the Dolphins and we were two and one, that's still I think that's still a good start of the season. Um, so I'm 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 excited. I'm happy, and uh, I'm really intrigued to see what Mac Jones is going to do as a rookie quarterback starting from uh, from day one. So I'm I'm excited. I have to apologize. I ran into some technical issues with the uh, Wi-Fi at my place. So bear with me. And you know what? We are back right now. And also, I just got to think, oh, uh, avoid legal snakes by telling people they're being recorded. I think Big Rat and Phil are okay with that. Danny is gone now. Danny got all his words in about his teams. Uh, Phil got his words in about our Patriots. So it's my turn. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to say this from the heart. I feel a lot more confident this season going into 2021 than I was last year. I feel like last year was a lot of like false hope and false confidence being like, you know, where it's like the whole like you kind of – you know that meme where it's like the guy's wearing a happy face, but on the inside he's like internally crying. Mm-hmm. That was kind of me last year, where it's like you don't, you didn't really want to admit how bad the team truly was. But this is this year's different. Like I even remember last year, Phil and I were on here praising Dante Hightower. The next day he opts out. It was just like a very and like I saw the photos tonight from Gillette Stadium of him at the Patriots premiere. They list the fifty-three man roster. He's on it. It's all good. Um, there is one player on this defense that I cannot wait to watch play. And that is new acquire Matthew Judon. He's been lighting it up in the preseason. Uh, I expect Josh Uche to take that next step. Hopefully Chase Winovich can do more of the same. Uh, uh, Christian Barmore. Like Bill Belichick basically went out this year in free agency with the defense and said, look, I'm done getting harassed. I'm done like letting teams run stupid amount of yards on us. So this is going to be a very run-heavy stop team. Um, the one point I didn't make earlier with, with you guys with Mac, I feel like Josh McDaniels can be more confident comfortable running a similar offense he did with Tom. Now, I said this in my earlier podcast because I recorded a car cast earlier today giving my quick thoughts on the whole Matt Cam situation, obviously with Cam being cut. But I feel 
like Max the better pocket quarterback, but at the same time, too, it's like Big Rat said, Brian Flores can game plan for a better. We actually saw it last year with Justin Herbert in the uh, Chargers game. I believe uh, Flores coordinated quite a good game against him. So it's just those little things that, like, look, week one now. At first, I thought, man, this game should be 1 o'clock. I also wanted to watch Chiefs and Browns, but you know what? That 425 slot, this is a must-see game because it's it's really going to determine how the seasons go for both teams. But I think this this team could start 3-0. and They could start 2-1. and They could start 3-1. and I don't see them starting 4-0. I think Tampa's an L, even though I do want them to win. But all in all, this is a team this year. I think they're going to be somewhere between – I think their best-case scenario is they finish 5th or 5th in the uh, AFC. And the worst case, I think they're going to finish ninth or 10th because there's nine teams that I can see making the playoffs this year. That, that's just that's just how I see it, and also too with the offense, um, offensive line is gonna be better. Man, Damian Harris, he's one of my uh, running backs in fantasy football. Not my RB one. That is Christian McCaffrey in one league and Alvin Kamara in another for obvious reasons. But you know what? Damian Harris is gonna be a great running back. Uh, I we may see a little bit of Ramondre Stevenson, but Bill Belichick likes to redshirt his running back, so I think you're gonna get JJ Taylor, James White in there. And two, Max got toys to play with. Um, I expect Jacoby Myers to be like that new Edelman, not as good as Edelman, but in that spot. And also, too, just with the offensive line, uh, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. I think we we're gonna. I thought at first it was gonna be a very similar offense to what we saw in Carolina in 2015, but now I just see it like the growing pains are gonna be there for Mac. But at the same time, too, this is gonna be a very fun and exciting football team to watch. And honestly, I can't wait for the season to begin for the New England Patriots. Yeah. I- I, oh, sorry. I was just going to give like my very quick two cents. Like, yeah, they're, I already said most of it earlier. Like, I think they're a good team. I think it's going to be, they're going to be a lot better this year, even though I thought, like we've talked about last year, they went seven and nine. There were a lot, they were, they had a lot of bad luck in close games. So, you know, and like, you know, I, I think things are, the roster's better. Things are going to go well. And I will say for all my comments on Mac and I do, and I, I, I do mean it. I do believe the dolphins have a better chance to win this game. Now that doesn't mean I think it's locked in or anything. I just think it's a better chance um, with, with Mac in there. I will say though, the Patriots defense does scare me against the dolphins a little bit because the dolphins O line is a mess, as I said earlier. And so the Patriots with the improved D line with Judon in there, with Godchow in there, getting Van Noy back, Van Noy's going to have some, you know, inside info on the Dolphins' offense, on Tua, on the O-line, everything. I do think the defense, and as you guys know, week one, the Dolphins don't have Will Fuller. So the defense is going to match up really well against the Dolphins' offense, um, and that does concern me. I'm just hoping that that the Patriots can have some struggles with Max's first game against a, a B-flow team. That, that's all. That's all. I think, I think it's going to be a fun one, though. I think if, I think one I think it does help that we play in New England. I think at at Miami for Mac to play his first game would be tough or yeah. tougher. Anyways, you know it's it's like we said it's just, it's an exciting season. We can't we can't wait for it. But like this week one game also too. I think the spread right now is at three or two and a half. I think I wouldn't be shocked to see that being covered. But at the same time too, I don't think it will be. Who's favored? The spread for the game. Pats are favored. Pats are favored. Pats are favored. Okay. Uh, I think it's only two. I think it went down from three to two and a half. Yeah, it did. It went down uh, from three to two and a half. That makes sense. I I agree with that. It should go down. It reeks. It reeks like the kind of game that will be like coming down to the last possession. Yeah, I I think it. Oh, I definitely expect it to be. I mean, unless something changes between it now and there, I I think it's going to be a shoot. I mean, not shootout. I think it's going to be a close game. We'll do. I'm going to. I'm waiting for. Like what I think the official score will be, I'll do that probably next week. But 
you know what? If you're if you're a betting man, also too, I think I gotta see what the over is for that game, just because I'm I'm curious now, and also too because um, I'm actually making this announcement now. I actually won money for the first ever time betting on football last weekend, so I'm pretty happy about that. Oh, but it's forty. I okay, so I did one preseason game and I did one college game. I uh, bet the Ravens for easy money, and I bet the <laughs> I bet uh, Illinois to beat Nebraska in an upset because um, there's a. PFF podcast I listened to, and they were saying, man, take P- I just took Illinois money line, and between the two games, I won 80 bucks. So, small steps. <laughs> I love I love how the, the Ravens the Ravens win streak is incredible. And and someone someone released a report that Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson have barely played in most of these wins. It's all it's all the backups. It's all the backups. Yeah. I feel like that kind of goes to show well, how good of a coach John Harbaugh is, though. Yes. Absolutely. It's a, it's, it, it, they're a very well coached team to the point that their second string like knows what to do and just knowing what to do can probably get you a long way yeah, against long a bunch of guys time. fighting for jobs. Yeah. It's still the most yeah, cause, at, at 20 and 0. And before, yeah, but before we started recording, I remember I was saying, I let's, I was going to say the AFC North for Alaska. You know what? We did this little segue. So, why don't we do this? Also, by the way, folks, for the Patriots-Dolphins game, the over-under right now is at 44. I would lean towards the over for that game. Um, Probably. Yeah, like usually when it's in the 40s, I like over. But if it's 50s, I feel like it's when you get a little risky, in my opinion. But with the AFC North, um, the one take I love is when Steelers fans basically come out and say, like, oh, we want Mike Tomlin fired. And it's just like, um, why? Like, you do realize if he were to get fired, he'd have a job in five minutes. I see. I Griff, I, I have a different take on that because I I think Mike Tomlin is. I've always said he's kind of overrated. Um, so I I have a different take on that. I, I I'm not saying he should get fired, but one thing that has to be addressed is the fact that the Steelers have not addressed the quarterback position. Like Big Ben, like everybody talks about, like you know your Brady's, your your Mannings, your Rogers, whatever. Like taking a a you know a, a decline, but like Ben has clearly declined. And could be even worse this year, and they have no answer to that. Their answer is to go get Haskins. Like, like you got to have you got to answer to that. And I think like I mean Tomlin, yeah, you could say you know obviously the Steelers. I think I can't remember the stat, but they've had a, is it a winning season the last like the or the last co I don't know winning season or either. I guess is I guess what the stat I'm thinking of is they've had a winning season the last couple seasons or a certain streak or whatever. But anyways, like you know I mean they have that, but at the same time it's like you know like it's kind of like they've leveled out so uh I, I i think he deserves criticism not i didn't mean to jump in there but 17 years yeah 17 years so i mean and, and I, we had three four hours before ours was broke so maybe 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 there's a middle ground maybe it's like a you know kind of what's a good like i guess an andy reed and the eagle situation you know where it's like you were great but maybe it's just kind of time for something different i personally am not there yet but i think maybe that's what steelers fans are are thinking i, I would have that's a good point actually yeah. I, I just look at them like too like if you look at it they never really fire their coaches like chuck Noll retired bill cowher retired like they've had three coaches in 50 years that 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 is just that's why for me they're the best run organization in the nfl when you have a level of consistency like that and the fact too that they went i believe it was 30 years between winning super bowls yeah i i agree with that i mean i don't think i don't think he's i don't think he's getting fired like they're gonna ride him out till it's till you know till that well's dry no i agree with that it's gonna be one of those like you know 
hey, thank you for your service, but it's time to move in a different direction. And, and so I would say on the Steelers um, with Tomlin, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I, I, I understand all the criticisms, you know, Ben with the arm, the offensive line being a lot worse. I understand all that. I just, for me personally, and I, I'm totally fine, like kicking them out of the playoffs and all that. I just think it's gone a little too far personally. I don't quite think this is 2019 Eli Manning. And that's what people seem. That's a, if you hear people talk about big men, that's kind of what they're saying. I don't think it's quite that bad. I think, I think with another off season, with another year removed from the elbow, like the elbow injury he had, it wouldn't surprise me if like he looks a little bit better than people think. Maybe still, obviously not the big Ben of old, obviously not the big Ben of like four years ago, but I just think there's a middle ground here where I don't think he's as bad big Ben as he looked in December of last year. I, I think we're kind of jumping the shark a little bit with everybody digging their grades. I think they're going to surprise people. Their defense is still going to be good. And I think they're going to find a way to be 500 or better. Like they always are. They might miss the playoffs, but I, I don't think they're, I think they're, I think people are kind of going a little too far in the criticism. That's what I'll say. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm sorry, Phil. The one point I just want to make quickly is the way I see the 2021 Steelers is kind of like, you know, the 2019 Patriots, except instead of Brady having no weapons, like Roethlisberger has the weapons, but it wouldn't shock me to see if he kind of like doesn't play as well, but they still manage to, you know, what be a, a nine and eight football team. Yep. Yes. I mean, you made a good point too. Uh, Big Red, but I I don't know, man. I just I don't I just don't I think Big Ben is is just washed, man. I I don't I don't know. But, but, but I mean, how bad can I it get? You, I think you're making the more fair assessment. I'm not saying you're not. I just yeah. I, I just don't have the optimism. Yet. Fair enough. Do we think he? Oh, the, my bit that before we go to the next point about this, if he retires next year, is he first ballot Hall of Famer, or is he? You think maybe he have to wait a bit? I think I think first ballot. Yeah, I, th- I think he's first. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think yeah, he's done enough. Um, and one point two something as well. Like, if Najee Harris ends up being really, really well, he may, he may not even have to do as much. So, to to, to Big Rat's point, he they could. St- I still see them getting around that five hundred mark because I think he'll do enough for that. I just I think if he was to get worse, they'd be in like they'd be in some trouble. And uh, and Griff, the other benefit of his Hall of Fame case, and I, I agree with Phil there. I. I, if, if he is worse, like, I don't think they can survive that. So I'm, I'm with Phil on that, that they, they can't tolerate that. If he is 2019 Eli Manning, then I think Tomlin will have his first sub 500 season of his career. But, um, grip to your point about the hall of fame thing. It's like, we have to remember, like, you know, we just didn't have a lot of great quarterbacks for 15 years before, like now we're in the era of Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert and all these people. Like it was just Brady B- Peyton, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, and Philip Rivers and Eli for like a decade. Like, there's right. not there's not exactly a backlog of quarterbacks waiting to get in. Like, there will be wide receivers and running backs in the coming years. The one point I wanted to make about that is so for in, in the 2020 AFC Championship game that was the Titans and Chiefs. That was the first AFC Championship game not to feature either one of Ben Brady or Peyton, or Peyton Manning. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, in like 20 years. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And that's why I think, like, that's the, the – not that we were really talking about him, but that's the that's what's so crazy about, like, Phillip Rivers. is like, Phillip Rivers, what would he have done had he not had to face all three of the, the quarterbacks? You know, he just had – I mean, had, what, what would have happened if he had been in the NFC? You know, it's like, you know, Phillip Rivers – I don't know. It just made me think of that. That's fair. 
hundred percent fair. It's one of those like it's one of the biggest what ifs in the NFL, Philip Rivers. But um, the only concern I do have with this team is the fact that four of their offensive linemen are brand new. That's the only con- that's the biggest concern I do have for this team apart from Ben because. That's the one thing where I'm like, if Najee Harris isn't the Najee Harris of Alabama, and he kind of like, you know how Derrick Henry took him a couple years to get his footing in the NFL? If it, yeah. it could have a similar thing for Najee, that's all. Yeah, yeah. No, don't disagree. And uh, I will say, like, just watching him in the preseason, and it's preseason, this is dangerous and stupid and should not rush to conclusions. I will just say, just from my eye, watching Najee, like, didn't quite look like Bama Najee out there. Like, not just because of the offensive line. Like, the speed didn't flash off the screen against NFL players like it did against Bama, where he was like hurtling over guys and juking out guys. Like, looked a little slower on an NFL field. But preseason, not going to rush to conclusion. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I was a big advocate for uh, Travis Etienne being the best running back going into the draft, but now we won't be able to see that. So, <laughs> unfortunately, with him being out for the year, but uh, sad. Yeah. Um. Moving on to the Cincinnati, so I like if we'll rank the standings later. But moving on to the Bengals, as I just want to get on quickly, it's the same thing I think with Chase, where I think that opt, that opt, that opting out for twenty twenty kind of hurt them because like man, and even too with them as a whole, like I'm really concerned about this football team. I'm honestly like their offensive line, like we'll see, but the reports coming out of there from a lot of their beat writers aren't exactly looking positive. Zach Taylor has won. What seven games in two years or six games? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like it's their offensive line does not look good. Joe Burrow is apparently struggling in training camp, and I will know as a Dolphin fan with Tannehill, you guys even to a lesser degree, but as a Patriots fan with Brady, that first year back from the ACL, you're not quite right. It's usually the the second year, the third year where you look better. Tannehill his first year back from the ACL was probably his worst year as a Dolphin. And then he played great in the Titans. Brady in 2009, you know, he was still obviously very good, but not quite the Brady you remember. And then 2010, he was an MVP. So Unanimous MVP. Unanimous. Yeah, so this so this Joe Burrow ACL thing, uh, I don't know, man. Like, And by the way, uh, Brady and Tannehill, they tore their ACLs early. He tore it like in November. So like that, it's concerning. And with the defense too, Chase is going to take time. And also just everyone in this division can't win 10 games. Like if, if the Steelers are going to be 500 and if the Ravens and the Browns are going to be playoff teams again, well, like it just creates a natural ceiling that the fourth team in this division can hit. So yeah, not, not looking good for the Bengals. Yeah. I think the Bengals are going to probably, like you said, like that's a good point. And I think, I mean, I don't know. Like you might disagree. I don't know, but I, I would say that their ceiling, ceiling is probably closer to like, I don't know, maybe, maybe six games is probably like the highest they could probably reach. There's too many good teams in this division, and so you you know, and, and having to play them at twice a week. I mean, you got to think that you know. I mean, maybe they could still one. I don't even know though. Like, I, like just looking at it, I don't. I mean, obviously to say that they don't win a single division game and they won one last year. Um, didn't, who did they beat? They, did they beat the Ravens? Sure. I can't. Maybe yeah, they, they beat the Steelers on Monday Night Football. That's right. So, I mean, if you give them one, I think, you know, that's that's generous. <laughs> so, My big thing with the Bengals this year is, is I obviously know Zach Taylor's on the hot seat, but if they can either show strides or, you know what, beat a couple teams they're not supposed to beat, like last year how they beat the Titans and they beat the Steelers, two playoff teams – 
You can do that. I think it can go a long way. But if they're being doormats for the other teams they're playing, Zach Taylor's gone. Yeah, they can't. They got to be competitive. Like, they just can't. They can't. This is what happens with the Bengals. They have these games where they'll lose, like, 32 to 14. And it's like, no. Like, you. it's not just about winning and losing. They have to look good. They have to fight. They can't just... They can't just get wiped the floor with by the Ravens twice a year, every year in the Lamar Jackson era. Like they got, they got to put up more of a fight. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Exactly. So instead of saying like, if they lose like 35 to 10, if you lose like 35 to 24, like at least like, Hey, look, it is double digit loss, but you looked like you like, looked like you had some dignity to the loss, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And then moving on to the Baltimore Ravens, just cause this like, Baltimore's that team where I'm like, I think they can be good. I, the J.K. Dobbins loss is terrible, but I, man, there's, um, my biggest concerns with Baltimore is Lamar Jackson, and that's only because of his arm and the receivers. We'll see what happens, but then their front set, they're not the front seven, but their defensive, uh, their D-line, their D-line has to play better. Like, they have this great secondary, they have this uh, great, their linebacking force is pretty good too, but their D line, like they have to get pressure on the quarterbacks this year. Yeah, and they lost, uh, they lost uh, Judon uh, to yeah. to the Patriots, and you know they got they got Oway in the draft. Uh, they got they got they got pieces to work with, and they're like they're usually like very well coached. But yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna have to be better. It's like bringing in Justin Houston and bringing in Oway, like how much can that help? Um, but one thing we know about this team, it's just like they're they're like what thirty one and nine in games Lamar has started. Like they're just they're very consistent. They're kind of the same team every week. But there's a reason they're dominant in the preseason. They're just very well coached, and that usually translates to the offensive line. Well coached teams. Notice with the Patriots, with the Saints, with the with the Ravens, these teams almost never have bad O lines. It happens, but it's rare because they're always so well coached. So. You know, I, I kind of have them being the same team they always are, like 10 to 11 wins, maybe 12 on a good season, nine on a bad season. But generally that 10 to 11 win team they always are that, you know, will make the playoffs, probably win a playoff game again. And then from there, it's going to depend on luck and home field advantage and timing. So we'll see. No, exactly. 100%. Because even the big thing with the Ravens, too, this year is like, well, like we'll see what step up. They need the tight end to start producing. They'll, I believe, they're getting Nick Boyle back because he had that horrible broken leg against the Patriots last year. Mark Andrews. Yep. But my yeah. big thing with them is more or less not on the offensive, co- the defensive side of the ball. Excuse me, with Martindale, because Martindale was a great defensive coordinator. Greg Roman, we saw it with Colin Kaepernick. Remember where at first Kaepernick came in, it's like, oh my god, this guy's great. But then they figured him out, and right away, like Roman never adapted. Like my one take is that. If this offense is the same in 2021 as it was in 2020, I think in 22 there's a new offensive coordinator in Baltimore. I think you're right on that. Yeah, and I was going to give one little jab on the Ravens. They had a tight end, and they traded my boy away to the Lane. So. <laughs> oh, they shut up, Gamecock fan. Like, <laughs> go, go back to starting a graduate assistant as your starting quarterback. Oh, we're not going to – let's not talk. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, um, I'm going to say this right now. This is the team I got winning the AFC North. That's the Cleveland Browns because, like, the Browns aren't the Browns anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, the Browns look really – I mean, you can make a case the Browns should have been in the Super Bowl, but that's another, you know. I mean, 
So, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely think the Browns are going to win this division. I think that they're the clear-cut favorites. And then, you know, just, yeah. I, I, I still have the Ravens winning this division. Um, but I understand the love for the Browns. And, look, I, I criticized them a lot last year. I thought they were overrated. They had a negative point differential last year. Here's a fun stat for you. you they had the same point differential last year as the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons went 4-12. and 12. <laughs> and, the, and the Browns won 11-5. and five. Uh, But look, they won a playoff game, and I'm a firm believer of even if you got lucky in the regular season, like you, you got lucky with turnovers, you got lucky with injuries, you got lucky in winning close games, even if you got lucky in all those things, you know, if you win a playoff game, like I got to take you seriously. So they won a playoff game. They deserve respect. There's a lot of hype on them this year. I personally still am picking the Ravens. Remember, the Ravens, swept the Browns last year swept so obviously if that happens the Browns can't win this division they have to win the they can only win the division if they beat them at least once at least once so I'm trusting Baltimore I'm trusting their experience their coaching staff you know I think their offense even with the Dobbins loss which hurts it hurts a lot I think Bateman is going to be impactful once he comes back I know he's going to be out for a little while but I think he's going to have an impact right away and Sammy Watkins, I think, will matter, too, a little bit. But the Browns are kind of going to be the same thing. Like, their defense is going to be a lot better. Their passing game, you know, there are those numbers that when Odell Beckham's in the lineup, Baker Mayfield's numbers go down. I'm not saying they're better without him or anything like that. But you do have to wonder, is Baker Mayfield maybe the kind of quarterback that's better off targeting tight ends, running backs, and slot receivers like Jarvis Landry than targeting his outside weapons as a super high percentage of his pass attempts. It's just a question. It's worth wondering because certainly we saw the Odell Beckham Browns the year before and what they were last year without him. So I just think it's a question worth wondering, but the roster is really good on paper. I do think they're going to make the playoffs despite my criticisms. Um, but I, I do still have Baltimore ahead of them. Once they beat ball, if they beat Baltimore this year, then I'll, then I'll finally be swayed that maybe they could take this division. Just my opinion. Just uh, One of those games, by the way, is uh, Sunday night football. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid correction. The Browns had a minus eleven differential, and the Falcons had a minus eighteen, but it was close. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Near, near, nearby. Uh, the only thing like, I'm going to say. Oh, oh, sorry, guys, go on. No, I was just saying. I, I was, I was, I've got the standings pulled up, so I just figured I'd point that out. No problem. So, Phil, thank you very much for that. Um, the only thing I'm going to say though with the Browns, wouldn't it? I feel like this would be so Browns of them to do where because week one, obviously, they have the big game in Kansas City, the four twenty five slot as well. Wouldn't it be such a Browns thing for them to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs week one, but then week two lose to the Texans in their home opener? <laughs> God, I hope that losing to the Texans. I mean, damn. <laughs> but it would be a Brown, It would be the Browns of old. Let's put it. There. I will. I will agree with that. That would be funny. That I would get a kick out of that. Yeah, just it would just be so Browns where it's like, yeah, they had this big week one win. You don't want to know. They just took down Patrick Mahomes. And then you lose to Davis Mills or Tyrod Taylor. Yep. Which, going into that team now, so the North is done. We're going to the South now, everybody. And with the Texans, like, what is it, 2-15, and 3-14? and 14, Hell, 1-16? Where, where do we see this team finishing in the standings? I, I don't think it will be 0-17. I don't think so either. At general rule of thumb, like bet on a team to win a game, like because that's what always happens in NFL history. And we always forget, but there's always teams that we think on paper 
or, oh, this looks like the worst roster I've ever seen. People said that about my Dolphins in 2019. People said that about the Jets in 2017, the year they started Josh McCown. If you go way back to 2013, when the Raiders started Terrell Pryor, I remember uh, Matt, Matt Miller for Bleacher Report tweeted, this is the worst roster I've ever seen in my life about the 2013 Raiders. And they started the season like three and two. <laughs> like, it's just, it's easy. It's easier to win games than people think. And there's 17 games now. Um, I got a really ballsy, my last thing on the Texans, because I do think, look, ultimately they're going to be bad. I think they're going to win some games. I don't know whether it will be two or three or four, some variation. But one piece of advice I'll give right now, Survivor Leagues. If you're in a Survivor League, that has two losses like mine. Mine does that where you have two losses and yeah. And the tie break and the tiebreaker is longest winning streak. So historically a smart thing to do is to make a very risky pick in week one, because if you lose it, you're not out for the season. You still have another loss left. And also the tiebreaker is longest winning streak. So if you lose a second time, like very late in the season, your winning streak will be longer than everyone else's because your initial loss was in week one. And we know the thing with Survivor, you know, you don't want to use the Bucks or the Chiefs in week one. You want to save them for later in the year. Houston Texans in week one, they play the Jaguars in Houston. Last year, last year, um, the Jaguars in week one played the Colts. And the Colts, the Jaguars were like, this team is awful. This team is terrible. The Colts, you know, they got Phillip Rivers. And I remember telling a friend, we should take the Jaguars in Survivor League this week. And he was like, are you fucking crazy? They're horrible. And I'm like, yes, but they're home against the Colts. The Colts had always lost in Jacksonville, like, every year, even when Andrew Luck was there. Like, if the Jags are going to win a game, this is the game they win. And sure enough, the Jags won that game, and they lost 15 straight games. So... If you had the courage to use your survivor pick on the Jags in week one last year, you would have, one, not had to use the Jags for the rest of the year and still saved all the good teams. Week one, Texans-Jaguars in Houston. I understand it's disgusting. I understand you feel icky. But but if the Texans are not going to go 0-17 and you had to pick a game on their schedule to win – would you not pick the home game against Jacksonville of all the games they have? Because you have, they have to beat someone. You have to find the game that they win. Would it not be home against the Jaguars? Week one, Jaguars still got to figure some stuff out on offense. Tyrod Taylor against the first overall pick last year, Joe Burrow, Chargers-Bengals. Chargers won that game in Cincinnati because it's hard for like a team with a rookie quarterback to get rolling in week one. And Tyrod Taylor plays a very safe style of football. He's not going to throw a lot of interceptions. He's going to get first downs with his legs. I'm just saying, if you have the courage, use that survivor pick on the Houston Texans this week and never have to use them again the rest of the season. That's a, that's a great really scaring me. I know. It's, 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 it's a good scary point, it's Looking scary. at their schedule, looking at their schedule, that might be the only time you're going to be, like, that might be the best pick, like, I don't see another one where you can, like, you're going to have, I mean, obviously, we won't know, I mean, things could happen, but looking at their schedule, that's probably their best chance, <laughs> so, <laughs> looking at it, obviously, things can happen, quarterbacks can go down, players can go down, and so, like, it can open up for you to pick them later, but uh, that's a great take, because I don't see another one where I would be even confident, I'd be scared to pick them any other week. Who who put them in Carolina on Thursday night football? Oh my god, I just noticed that too. That's terrible. Very bad people who need to be fired. <laughs> Thursday night football. I don't know. They always 
Yeah. First Thursday night football, Big Rat, hopefully you're on here because it's Daniel Jones in prime time. Oh, of course. And and it's the, it's right after the Dolphins-Patriots game, no? It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, my, my, I'm slowly thinking that I'm going to do that because, like, literally, you look at the Texans and I'm like, there's no other game to win. Like, hell, I'm tempted to take – I may take them for survival or I may just take Texans' money line just to, you know what, hey, yeah, let's have some fun. They're, they're, um, they're only three-point underdogs. It's not like they're 15-point underdogs. True. I think yeah. I'm going to take them to cover the spread. Yeah. So that's that, that. That's all. That's all. Just throwing that little tip out there. I completely understand. Um, like because this, t- like all these teams, like everyone ever says, are historically bad. Because like, even going into last season, no one said that about the Jets. Where, like at, the, at this time last year, I don't think any of us were saying the Jets were going to be two and fourteen. I don't think anyone did. No. no. It was no. just the unfortunate way the cookie crumbled. Yep. Right. Yeah, and then moving on next. To a team that's really controversial with the Jacksonville Jaguars, like I, I like for me the biggest thing with the Jaguars is going to be uh, Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer and how they handle losing because it's something that neither one of them has had before. Like Trevor lost the only times he's lost in college was in the national championship game in the national championship semifinal last year against Ohio State. So for him, like if they go on like a really bad losing streak, I really want to see how he handles it. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and, I mean, I also want to see how they handled letting go of one of the greatest players of all time in Tim Tebow, so we'll see. But <laughs> <laughs> no, Shut up. <laughs> but, I, I, uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, we need to see Trevor face adversity. We need to see Urban Meyer face adversity, too. We haven't seen, uh, like, re- like, football adversity, not the adversity he imposes upon himself with his idiocy. Right. right. <laughs> uh, uh, I, th- I think they're. I think they're going to start out bad and get better as the year goes along. That's kind of my my feel on this team. Be, I, I agree. I mean, they'll get a couple wins. No, I agree with that. I just want to see their schedule quickly because I want to like because I obviously know that they um, play there. But let's just look here. Okay, so Texans, Broncos, Cardinals, Bengals on Thursday night football. Jesus Christ, we have back to back weeks of Panthers, Texans, and then Jacksonville, Cincinnati on Thursday night football. Like, who is planning those games for Thursday night? Good lord! This is begging us not to watch. No, like literally, there's just, like I'm looking at some of those games where I'm just like, like why? Like I'm I'm gonna watch it because yeah, I'm a degenerate who loves watching football. But at the same time, too, you have to put the games up there that are gonna be. Product, good products. And also with Jacksonville and Thursday Night Football, it should always be against Tennessee and Jacksonville's wearing those like awful gold uniforms. <laughs> yeah, th- th- that's why it's annoying. It's because like, it's not because we won't watch. It's like, no, 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 we have to watch. We right. will watch. So yeah. make it fun for us. <laughs> exactly. One, one, 100%. But no, with um, just going to Jacksonville's wind ceiling floor, I think I think six and eleven, or maybe I think six and eleven is like their ceiling. Maybe seven and ten. Yeah, yeah. that would shock me though. Yeah, same same here. Uh, I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect it, but as a ceiling, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I, my my realistic expectation for them is probably I'd say four and thirteen. Yeah, that would be where I would have them. Yeah, four wins. In- Including a loss to the Houston Texans. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You 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 love to see it, folks. Um, the next we'll talk about the Colts in a second. I want to talk about the Titans right now. 
Because the Titans, to me, like, there's a couple things I see with this team. I see a team that's really good offensively, but then I see a team that defensively, I'm just like, I honestly don't know what to expect from them defensively. Like, Bud Dupree getting all that money coming off the torn ACL. Um, they obviously drafted Caleb Farley with the back problems. They basically have a brand new secondary back there. Well, signing in Janoris Jenkins and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see this team. Like I said, I think they'll be good for offensively. It's just, I think their defense, they're going to have a lot of close games. Like, if you don't, if you guys forget from last year, they had two games against the Titans where they had, uh, the, uh, the Titans had two games against the Texans, which I believe one or both went to overtime. Uh, they both did. I both, yeah, exactly. Or the sec- I think the second one came down to like the very last play of regulation. But you, you get the point. Yeah, exactly. Like where it was like one of those like very close games where it's just, you know, it like right down to the wire where it's just uh, all of a sudden, hey, look, the uh, like, yeah, like it's just one of those things where I feel like, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to judge, jump to like the conclusion of, yeah, you know, this team's a Super Bowl team. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. No, it's just their defense has to show me they're capable of making it far in the playoffs. I like after the whole stuff with the Colts today, I was going to have the Colts winning the division going into the today's show. But I had to change my pick. I'm going to pick the Titans for right now just because of the COVID stuff. And even though the Titans, they're dealing with their own COVID problems. Plus, two, one take I have, and Big Rat, I know he's your boy. It wouldn't shock me to see Tannehill take a couple steps back solely based off of Arthur Smith's departure. I, I, don't, think, I don't think that's unfair. I mean, I'm, I'm high, I, like, I like the Julio edition. The problem is Julio is very in and out of the lineup these days. Like, if, you, if you've ever owned him in fantasy lately, it, it's, it's a nightmare. Like, he... Yeah. Yeah, he'll come up with a gimpy knee. He'll leave the game. He'll come back. Like, it's exhausting. Um, so I don't disagree that Arthur Smith could have an impact. And plus, Tannehill's numbers have been really good for two years. There's maybe some natural regression anyways for one season. But I, I kind of – I do kind of have them in the playoffs um, over the Colts, although it's close. Because uh, I do I do kind of buy Frank Reich as an offensive innovator and being able to work around problems. But I, I, I'm okay with picking the Titans, just like kind of trusting. It's so weird to say, but like Tannehill and Mike Vrabel, that's like the most stable combination in this division right now, which is yeah. so weird. Like, but it yeah. is. The Brady and Belichick of the AFC South. Yeah. No, it is. I agree. I mean, I mean, Phil, with the take of the century two years ago, with the Titans, Baltimore, man, upsetting the Ravens in the playoffs. There's just, some, I mean, there's just some team, like, going back to that, it's like, you got to, like, I've just seen it too often when a team's hot, and then all of a sudden you're telling them they've got to sit, like, and then you have a hot team that they're going to play, just doesn't, it work, it's just, it writes itself. I mean, you just, I mean, the writing was on the wall, you know. And, and I think with Tennessee, I agree with Big Rat, like, Julio, like, I said this when they signed him, like, I, I'm not, I wasn't, like, obviously I wasn't, or traded for him. I wasn't, you know, going to say, like, you know, it doesn't help the team because obviously that would be stupid to say it doesn't because it does. But I just – I think – one, I do think it helps A.J. Brown. I think it's going to open up some stuff for him who uh, is is a frequent athlete that people don't – doesn't get a lot of light shined on him. And I think you'll see more of that this year. But um, I do think, you know, I just don't – I don't think it – I don't think it's it was the piece that gets Tennessee over the hump. Like, it helps them, but I don't think it's what – Tennessee needs like I don't think it's that necessarily going to add that factor that now makes them a Super Bowl team you know you get what I'm saying like 
I just think I think Tennessee's good. I think they I do think they still win the division. Um, I just I'm not sure. Like I, I have the same questions that you guys have. Like with the defense and stuff, will it be enough uh, to get any uh, further than that? I don't know. Yeah, I I, I kind of view the Julio Jones edition as preventing them from getting worse for for losing Corey Davis and Johnu Smith and Arthur Smith. It's like, okay, like, it's not that it makes you better, it takes you over the hump. It, like, it just mitigates the losses of some of those players slash coach a little bit. Right. So that's kind of how I view it more than anything. But the, I agree with Griff. Like, this defense, they're, they're so dependent on Bud Dupree, like, being a constant pressure guy. And their defense last year was terrible. 30th, 30th in football outsiders DVOA. There's only 32 teams. I don't know if you, I don't know if you heard. So <laughs> – 30th is pretty damn bad. So they're going to, yeah, I mean, with, with the expected offensive decline, even though it's mitigated by adding Julio, the, yeah, the defense is going to have to be better. And I don't know why we should have confidence that the defense is going to be great to make them a serious contender in the AFC. It just might be enough to get them by this division, essentially. Yeah, it's not like, you know, when it comes to playoff time, if their defense isn't, isn't there, they're not going to make it. Correct. Yep. Yeah, Plus, I have to say, this Plus, team is like similar to the Miami Dolphins, you know, Big Rat, where it's like, I think, 9-8 and eight to 11-6. and six. Yep. Uh, yep. I was going to say, that the, it, plus to, to the point of the defense, I think the defense, a good defense for Tennessee is what is a great uh, caveat to having a great running game that they have. I think that's – if you don't have that defense to also match that slow play, pace running game, it doesn't work well as well as it, as it should. And uh, the – the D, the nine and eight floor. I agree with what Phil said. And the nine and eight floor that Griff pointed out. I mean, that could be enough. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think the Colts are probably going to go nine and eight. But I mean, nine and eight could be enough on its own. So, yep. I also think with those two teams, like I'll just say as quickly with the Colts, I think it's going to be one of them's going to be nine and eight, one of them's going to be ten seven. That's going to be first two. That's going to be one two for the AFC South, in my opinion. Because even when I say that with the Titans, it's just so dependent on defense because it's very similar to what we saw with the Dallas Cowboys last year where I think you're going to see them in a lot of shootouts against bad teams where, like, remember Dallas? Remember the, week, the most infamous game of Week 2 last year, Dallas and Atlanta? Like, yep. and even Dallas and Cleveland, I think it was, like, 55 to 40. Yeah. Like, if if you're a betting man, take overs in the ten, again, when the Tennessee Titans are playing, especially that Week 1 game against Arizona. Like, that could easily be, like, a 41 to, like, 35 game. Yeah, the, the Cardinals just lost Malcolm Butler, too. Like, yeah, that, that's a game that's primed to go over. Reason why I'm thankful Kyler Murray's my fantasy quarterback. Um, <laughs> but then moving to the Colts, like, the, the Colts right now, they're just, like, I, like, at first I was excited for them. Like, like I said earlier, I was like, you know what, Carson Wentz, new beginning. Um, the offensive line's great. The defense is great. Mike, I expect Michael Pittman to have a good year. Hopefully Paris Campbell can stay healthy. Uh, Jonathan Taylor should have a good year, um, and then Zach Pascal too. And now we got Carson Wentz, Ryan Kelly, and Pascal on the COVID list, so we now know they're all not vaccinated. So, like this this Colts team, it just has so many questions. And if you, I don't know if you guys have seen their schedule, they have one of the toughest schedules to start of the season. Like it's not even like you don't even want to look at it and laugh. Like you feel bad for them. Like their first few games, like I'm just gonna pull it up here Seahawks. versus Seahawks versus the Rams at the Titans. Oof. At the Dolphins, at the at the Ravens versus the Texans, at the 49ers, at the Titans, or versus the Titans, excuse me. Dang, their yeah, their schedule is not fun at the start of the season. And we 
We Ooh. saw last year, we saw last year with the Texans. If you remember their first three games at the Chiefs, at the Ravens, at the Steelers. It's like, you know, for all their problems, a lot of teams would go 0 and 3 with those with those three games as their first three games. And uh we you could it's the kind of I'm like I don't think this will necessarily happen with the Colts, but it's the kind of thing where if you start 1 and 5, you know, even if in a normal year you would have been 10 and 6, 11 and 5 or whatever, maybe starting 1 and 5 kind of like hurts you from hitting your ceiling because like players get demoralized and it, it feels it's harder and harder to make up for the losses. You kind of get, get a sense of that a little bit. So hopefully, you know, hopefully they'll find a way. Yeah. I think, I mean, I was a big, like when, when I heard, um, you know, about the wins trade, I like I was, I jumped on, I said, look, if the, but the ceiling for the Colts because of how good they were last year with rivers, like I said, the ceiling with Wentz if he plays back to what he, uh, his MVP level, uh, or almost MVP level, um, and then I think the Colts could be a Super Bowl contender. But the question is, will we get that wince? Because we're already seeing injuries starting again. You know, are we uh, now he's on the COVID list, so um, which I is, I guess he could still start Week One. Is that is that? Yeah. Okay, so he's probably still going to start Week One. But like, I mean, then looking at the schedule, it doesn't help factors either. Um, so, um, we'll see. I, I think Wentz, the potential, the ceiling, I think this, the Colts are a good team to look at as their ceiling is really, could be really high, but their floor could be really low if it doesn't pan out. I'll say really low, but I mean, like, you know, like, I, I think it's, you know, lower than it should be. I, I think, I think that, yeah, I think to your point, I, I think this team's range is pretty wide. Yeah. Like if Wentz gets COVID and misses like three weeks, you know, like that things can spiral like they absolutely could, especially given how hard their schedule is. So, I mean, and there's also a world where Wentz looks like he doesn't even have to be 2017 Wentz, like 2019 Wentz when he carried the Eagles to win the NFC East. Uh, you know, he could do that. And the defense is good. As we know, the O-line is still good. And this podcast is a huge Michael Pittman uh, fan group. Uh, like there's a world where they could be like a legitimate playoff team. And there's a world where they could be bad not because the roster's bad, just because of bad luck, schedule, COVID, all of it. Their range is very wide. So one of the widest of all the teams we've talked about up to now. Yep. Exactly. Because, like, look, Frank Wright's a good coach and everything. And like you said, this is a big Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, stand podcast. And it <laughs> always will be. Like, I fully expect him to have a breakout year this year. But at the same time, too, it all depends. Like, if Jacob Beeson's a quarterback, and that, that all goes down significantly. But if Carson Wentz is out there and we see the Carson Wentz of, like, 2017 – I expect a big year from Michael. Yeah. Dra- draft everyone listening to this. Draft Michael Pittman in your fantasy leagues. He's very cheap. He's really not hard to get. No, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, but moving on to the AFC West quickly. Um, the first one the team I want to talk about is the Vegas Raiders. Cause honestly, I just see another bad season for them and I don't see Gruden getting fired. I think he's there to stay, especially with his contract. Uh, I think it's Mike Mayock gone at the end of the season. Not only with the bad drafting, but I feel like Gruden's just going to look for basically he'll blame anyone but himself for the downfall of the organization, and Mike Mayock's just going to be there. And he's like, "All right, man, Mike, you're gone." I I also think so. We'll get to them in a bit, but um, I, I think the Broncos are going to be much improved, and we'll, I'll talk about that when it's time to talk about them. And same thing with the Bengals. It's like you know, if you think like three of the teams are going to be good. One of the teams is probably not going to win a whole lot. 
And so I don't think the Raiders are going to be like three and 13, three and 14 bad or anything like that. I think they're going to be like, they're going to be 500 for most of the year. And then they will be bad in December and they'll finish like seven and 10, six and 11 or eight and nine. Even, you know, that's, that's kind of how I see their season going. I think this could be the Derek Carr's, this could be the year where they finally think about moving on from Derek Carr because Derek Carr has had great protection for most of his career with the Raiders. Historically, when the O-line is bad, he has not played that well, as we saw in 2017. And the O-line lost Rodney Hudson. They lost uh, Gabe Jackson. And they lost Trent Brown, even though Trent Brown like had a disappointing year for them um, with injuries and with his play. So like maybe it's not like maybe it's not like that big of a deal for losing him. But I think if the O-line gets worse, I think that's a big problem uh, for Carr. And I do think, I just think, I just think sometimes it's time. It's like, if you had to think about the teams that are going to replace their quarterbacks after this year, because it happens every year, there's only, you know, there's not a whole lot of candidates that haven't obviously already drafted a young quarterback. The only teams out there are kind of like the Raiders and the Vikings, like really. And Washington, maybe, I guess. That's it. Yeah, I, I actually am going to have a little uh, – I guess it'll be a little more of the odd man Adam. this. I actually – I think the Raiders are, are going to make the playoffs this year. Um, nice. I, I think the Raiders – I like that offense, man. Like, I know Der- I know that I'm, I'm riding a lot on Derek Carr because, like, I, I think this is a do-or-die year. I totally agree with that, Big Rat. Um, but – and it could be some bias in this because I love Brian Edwards and I love Hunter Renfro. Those are guys I've watched for – since their high school level. Um, yeah. So – uh, that could be it, but I, I like both those guys, and I think Brian Edwards is going to be. And me and Miguel have talked about this. Shout out to him. Um, I think he's going he's going to have a really good year. And then to, to top it all off, you also have Henry Ruggs. You have a tight end Waller. Um, I I will say this: Derek Carr has no excuse to fail this year. I mean, this is the year. I mean, I think he's got a good offense. He has Josh Jacobs running back behind him. Um, and it's just, I mean, I don't know a lot about their defense, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but I mean, they were eight and eight last year. I, I, I just, I think the Raiders can make the playoffs. And so I'm just going to, that's what I'm going to lean towards, uh, as they're, as like kind of a sleeper pick of making the playoffs. Um, if they can just, if they could steal a game or two, um, here looking at their schedule, um, they don't stay, they, they also start rough. They have, uh, Baltimore at Pittsburgh, Miami at LA, Chicago, who, who knows with fields. So, um, it's not an easy start. So we'll see that that'll be the test. Like those first five weeks will be kind of the test of, if what I, if I change my tune or not. And, uh, and sorry, Griff, I uh, didn't mean to cut you off, but like one, one thing I'll say very quickly on them is also on the Gruden fired thing. Chris Mortensen reported that one of the reasons they traded Khalil Mack is that the owner, Mark Davis, he's so cash poor that when you sign like those big defensive contracts, like six years, 120 million or whatever, you have to put half of the guaranteed money up front in escrow so that they at least know that half of the guaranteed money is always there for the player if anything goes bad. And uh, Mark Chris Mortensen reported that Mark Davis, he genuinely couldn't afford to do that with Khalil Mack if they were to extend him. If they were going to give him like a six-year, $120 million contract and he whatever he got, like $60 million guaranteed, $30 million of that had to be put in escrow up front, Mark Davis genuinely couldn't afford that. And Chris Mortensen was saying like, He's not like these other owners. He's not a billionaire. He's like a multimillionaire. And like he has financial issues that are well documented. Maybe that's improved in recent years. I don't know. Miguel would know more than me. But if that's true, that doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that is willing to eat the rest of John Gruden's contract and just pay him, you know, six years, 10 million a year 
by firing him and then still have to pay a new coach. That seems unlikely to me based on that Cleo Mack story. So, and actually, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you heard this or not, but um, they actually tried to get him back. Yes, I did see that. I did hear that. Um, and apparently, Gruden was very upset for of having to trade from it, trade him away in the first place. So I think that's that that goes to your point about saying about with the finances. My whole thing with the um, Gruden thing is, and because this got brought up to me too, because you, know, you, you guys obviously know this. I know the NFC preview that's coming next Monday. I'll reveal the guests for those at the end of the show. But um, with the Raiders and the Bears, it's a very similar thing where these aren't billionaire owners who own the team. These are mom and pop shop owners who it's just passed down within the family. So I think eventually once, like it was meant documented with the Bears that the Bears are probably going to sell once Virginia McCaskey passes away because they're going to have to do it to pay off the escrow for the franchise. Like yeah. once um, Al Davis's widow, I'm blanking on her name. Once she goes, Mark's going to have to sell the team just to like, or he may have to sell the team just to help like pay off some of the finances and stuff. You know, like these are just things to consider when it comes to the Raiders organization. I only had my 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 Mike Mayock take from earlier because I feel like Gruden and Davis are so buddy buddy and it's kind of like Gruden's running the show. Plus, too, if you look at Mike Mayock's track record, like Cleveland Furl wasn't even practicing with the first team during training camp. Neither was Damon Arnett. Those are two first-round picks. And even this year, too, Alex Leatherwood was a very big reach in the first round of the draft. So I feel like Mayock's been having this weird strategy where if you look at all of his first-round picks, it's all either Clemson, Bama, or Ohio State players. Yeah, which is which is crazy. I mean, and it can sometimes work to your benefit. Like, that's how you get – Hunter Renfro, who was a steal in the in the fifth round, because he is really good to back Bill's point. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely dangerous. You you can reach when you're right, but when you reach and you get laughed at and and you're proven wrong, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that, that's exactly because I had the same energy when I saw them draft Cleveland Fertile in 2019. That I did with Alex Otherwood, where I'm like, okay, you could have gone them way later in the draft because. This year with the Raiders, if they literally had taken Trayvon Morrig at 17 and Leatherwood at like 41, I think, or 42, where their second round pick was, it wouldn't have looked bad. The fact that Leatherwood won at 17, it just looks like such a reach for them that if it, if Leatherwood has a bad rookie season, it looks really bad on Mike Mayock. And I think I think to your point on Gruden like running the show and him and uh, and Mark Davis, that's why I think it's especially do or die for Derek Carr because. I don't think they're going to want to fire Gruden because of the finances that we've talked about a lot. They gave him a big contract. And so I think if Gruden's bad again, some football fans are asking, well, I mean, how could he survive four years of not making the playoffs aside from money? The easy thing to do is, hey, we need a new change at quarterback. And, you know, that could be how you transition to the next era of Gruden's contract. Give me a young quarterback. Let me develop him. Give us a year to get it together and then go from there. Going back to the Bears' point, it's like Matt Nagy right now with Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. very similar. Yeah, very, very similar. Um, I want to move on to the Broncos next because I don't know if you guys know this by now, by now but I, I'm not a Drew Locke fan at all. But <laughs> them starting Teddy, um, well, two things. One, this is a coach who I think will get fired at the end of the year in Fangio. Like, I know he's a great defensive coordinator. I just think it's like the whole Todd Bowles thing. Great coordinator. He's not that good of a head coach, though, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. But this team is just so – they're interesting to me now with Teddy, a quarterback. I feel like Teddy, he can be good. He may not be good. The fact, too, that Carolina, Carolina was an awful contract for the Panthers that basically Sean Payton just talked them into. But him with Denver, it's just 
it's going to be one of those very interesting things to see where I feel like it can go either way. I feel, feel like this could be potentially a fringe playoff team now or they're six and 11 again. It's, I feel like it's either way because they need a lot of their guys to step up. Like they, like Jerry Judy last year, the amount of catchable balls that he dropped or couldn't get to was astonishing. So they need the two of them to go. And then plus two, when you look at it for fantasy perspectives, hopefully Noah Fant can have a solid third year. Uh, I think by the end of the season, Javante Williams from North Carolina will be RB1 for them. My biggest question for them really is just quarterback and offensive lineman and how those two positions hold up. Yeah, I think Denver would have been the team, and I think they were in I think they were mentioned in in the rumors and stuff. The, the Denver is a team I I could see taking the risk with Watson. I think that that would be the team that I think would make the most sense taking that risk at this at the level that the things are now. Um, but yeah, like Bridgewater, like I'm I don't hate Bridgewater. I, I mean I feel bad for him the fact that he got hurt and he just hasn't been able to 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 really rise since that. I mean I think in New Orleans he was a good situation. That's why it worked there for a little while while Breeze was out, but um. Uh, and I actually used him in fantasy for a couple of weeks during that, so I appreciate him for that. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know with Denver. I, I, I just think I kind of think they're just going to kind of be at the same spot they were last year. Um, I just don't see them really climbing up uh, higher than that. Okay, so this is where I will be a little a little contrarian relative to the podcast now. This time, uh, I I'm high on this team. And uh, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Essentially, we're flipping what me, me and Griff on the Raiders and Phil took the other side. And now I'm doing the reverse for the Broncos. So I, I agree with all the concerns and I agree with the concerns of Fangio. But I'm, I think this team is going to surprise people. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they can go 10 and 7. I think this is the team that's not in the playoffs that will make the playoffs. That's not counting my Dolphins or the Patriots, of course. I think it's this team. And I'll explain. So... I think this defense is going to be elite. I know you guys talked about it a little bit, but I think it is going to be stellar. They got Von Miller back. Bradley Chubb is coming back. They added Kyle Fuller in free agents in, in the in the free agency after he got cut by the Bears, and they drafted Patrick Sertan. And Justin Simmons is already like one of the best safeties in the NFL. Like I think this team is loaded. I think Vic Fangio has been building to this for a few years. A lot of the other cornerbacks that they relied on last year, the young guys like Michael Ojemudia and Bryce Callahan and all these guys, these guys all like played well, but they, they, they were had, they were put in high profile roles because of injuries to other players. And I think this year, this is kind of what Vic Fangio has been building to. This is the defense crescendoing to finally break out and be one of the best defenses in football. So I'm not saying that Drew Locke or Teddy is going to like light it up necessarily, but I think the defense can be like the 2018 Bears, who was coached by Vic Fangio. And yes, Matt Nagy was the head coach. I understand what Griff was saying, the head coach defensive coordinator distinction, and it does matter. Like I know there's people on Jets Twitter very upset after the Super Bowl when there were people saying, oh, you know, maybe Todd Bowles was actually a good head coach this whole time. Like, Jets fans will tell you, no, he was a bad head coach. He was just a good defensive coordinator. Those are two different things. We don't have to revisionist history what happened with the Jets. I get that. But remember, Matt Nagy might be fired too. Like, we see this all the time. A coach can eventually get fired but still make the playoffs. So I agree. Fangio is probably going to get fired at some point in the next few years. But it wouldn't surprise me if he does like what Doug Marone did his first year with the Jaguars. I think the defense is going to be great. 
I think their corners are their secondary is really, really good. Their D line is going to be really, really good. I think their play calling is going to be really, really good in the defensive side. And offensively, I think a lot of these young receivers are ready to break out. Jerry Judy, we, we talk about this with Michael Pittman. I feel the same way about Judy to a lesser degree, but these second year wide receivers like Judy, like KJ Hamler, Corton Sutton coming back from injury, starting to get a little bit better. He scored a touchdown in their last preseason game, starting to look a little bit like his old self. People forget how good this guy was. This guy made the Pro Bowl in 2019. Like he's that good, that talented. And so Sutton, Judy, Hamler, and Noah Fant uh, growing even more in that role. The offensive line, Garrett Bowles completely turned his career around last year. And their offensive line last year was bad because, uh, what's his name? David Cushenberry, uh, the LSU center on the national champion team. He was terrible last year, but he was a rookie. Maybe he'll be a lot better in his second year. Remember, the Broncos have Mike Munchak, the offensive line coach that was Pittsburgh's great O-line coach for years. And then once he left Pittsburgh, that's when the Pittsburgh offensive line started playing worse. So I think this offensive line is going to play better. I think the receivers are going to play better. And I think the defense is going to be elite. And I think they can do what the 2018 Bears did. They can have a great defense, questionable quarterback play, but make the playoffs as like a 10-7 and kind of team. That is going to be my bold prediction for the year. I can very much understand how this goes wrong. The quarterbacks are not trustworthy. Teddy's like never thrown more than 15 touchdowns in his career in a single season. So he can play bad. Drew Locke could come in and start throwing a bunch of picks. Vic Fangio could fuck up a bunch of close games by punting when he shouldn't, not going forward on fourth down when he needs to, not using his timeouts properly. I see all the ways this can go wrong. But I also see the ways it can go right, and I'm predicting them to be the surprise team this year. Any good point? Really good points. My, um, I still see the Broncos missing because this next team is my dark horse sleeper for the year, and that is the L.A. Chargers. Um, I just, I, 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 don't, I just have so much to say about them. Like I, Justin Herbert's, like I've fallen for the guy's a great quarterback. Um, they have one of the most improved offensive lines. Um, defensively, they're gonna. I think they're really good. Hopefully, Derwin James can stay healthy because if they get a healthy James and Bolsa with Brandon Staley running the defense, helping with the defense, that's a good team to watch out for. Um, I have a bit of a hot take for who I think could win Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's just a far out prediction, but I honestly think that Rashawn Slater is going to be one of the best offensive rookies in the NFL this year. Just something about him and his game really entices me and really, like, like it's something about him. Like, I think he – like, that's a take I've been just waiting to unleash on, like, unleash on the whole world. And I feel like now is the time. But, no, I honestly think this, this Chargers team is going to be really good and really fun to watch this year as a whole. Yeah, I agree. I think the Chargers are going to be really good. Um, Herbert, I mean, has looked, looked amazing um, so far. So, I think he can only get – he's only going to get better um, – and I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say, but um. and uh, I'll I'll just close by saying, because uh, then obviously we still have to get to Kansas City before we close out. Uh, Herbert, I think, um, you know, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. Derwin James, you know, like he he was one of the best players in the NFL, like his rookie year. He was that good right away. And he's finally healthy. He looks great in camp, apparently. Like, he could be the guy that turns around this defense as a whole, as kind of their their Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger, answer to Kansas City. Um, I, I guess for me, it's like 
Herbert's rookie year was like, this is kind of unfair, but like his rookie year was so dominant that I do wonder if it's going to come down a little bit this year. And uh, very quietly about Justin Herbert, I may or may not be biased or invested as a Dolphin fan, having to constantly hear about him as great as he's looked. He he has one of the lowest um, average depths of target in the league. Him, His and Tua's are kind of similar. You wouldn't think that because he has a cannon arm and everybody remembers the Bucks game or the Raiders game where he threw some 50-yard touchdown down the field. But if you look at the numbers, he throws it short a lot. Maybe some of that was Anthony Lynn, but he throws it short more often than I think the national narrative is around him. And if that happens for second straight year, throwing a lot to Keenan Allen, throwing a lot to Austin Eckler, you know, it's hard to have as many big plays as he had last year that really made his rookie year stand out. And I think without those big plays, the offense will take a little bit of a step back. Um, But I like Derwin James. I do think they're a solid team. I don't have a good read on them. I think they're going to be kind of a middle of the road team, but I could see them being good. I could see them being bad. I guess their range is pretty wide, too. Uh, Same with the Colts. My only thing with them is, is that, you know, last year how they had, like, they were all over the map, how they, like, they were up, they were beating the Chiefs, they are beating the Bucs, they are beating the Saints, lost all those games. There was a game where they absolutely got their asses kicked by the Patriots, 45-0. You cannot afford to lose those games this year. Like, if they have leads, they have to hold on to them. That's my only criticism on them. I just think they're they're a dark horse. Like, when I say dark horse, I'm not saying dark horse to go to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying... I wouldn't shock me if they're playing January football. It wouldn't shock me either. I, I, yeah. Good points. And to that point, that that chart, uh, as much as you know, it's like obviously I loved it because we beat them like that bad, but like that shocked me that we just destroyed them. Like that was a weird week for them. Hundred percent. But anyway, moving on to the last team on here, that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Why? Because there, it's it's like the back in the day of the Patriots. And it's like now instead of death taxes, Patriots win the division. Now it's death taxes and the chiefs win the division. Um, my only thing with them is I want to see what their new offensive line looks like. Obviously one, another offensive rookie lineman I'm looking forward to watching is Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. We'll see how he does. Um, Joe Tooney now there, obviously, which Phil makes us a little sad. And then they added in Kyle Long. And then the, even to defensively, they shipped like shaped, added some guys in. But the one player I really want to see be consistent this year is CHE, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I want to see, because remember last year, he was great, but then he really fell off. And also, too, one other note with the Chiefs' offensive line, they get back fellow Canadian and medical doctor uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. So just fun little notes to add in on there. My only thing is, though, I feel like their receiving core has to open up more with guys like Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, uh, Byron Pringle, because I feel like you can't always rely on Hill and Kelsey, even though I know they're some of the best players in, or the best players in their positions in the league. I feel like Patrick's got to open up the ball more to those guys and get those guys more involved to basically know that, like, look, hey, I can rely on those guys. I don't always have to look for Hill and Kelsey. And I, I think uh, – and also uh, Orlando Brown, who they also traded yeah. for from Baltimore – as their left tackle, which should be interesting because, as we all know, Baltimore is the most run-heavy team in the league, and the Cincinnati offense is very, very different. So I wonder if he would be as effective in the Chiefs' offense as he was in the Ravens' offense because it is kind of a different role. Um, yeah, like, or I've never seen a team do this to their O-line in one offseason. Orlando Brown, it's, it's Orlando Brown, uh, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, who Kyle a lot Long. of people like, Kyle Long. Uh, Lucas Niang, their second-round pick last year, who opted out. And then Kyle Long, back from retirement. Duvernay Tardif from who, from an opt-out. And then, I mean, Mike Remmers is still there and got, got first-team reps. I don't, know if, I, I don't know if he's the week one starter, but he did 
was getting first team reps at one point. So yeah, they, they revamped their entire O-line. It's drastically different. Uh, they're, they're kind of boring to talk about. It's like, they, I mean, you guys, you nailed it on the head. It's like, they are who they are. Like, I don't see the defense being all that different. Honey Badger's the cornerstone of everything they do. Uh, they lost some defensive linemen and some linebackers, but they've been a bad run defense for years. So I don't know how much that's going to matter. Uh, yeah, they're, they're honest. It's really like, they're boring to talk about. It's like, they're, you know, they're going to win anywhere between 11 and 15 games and they're a Super Bowl contender. That's who they are. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I will say I've applauded them ever since it started, the offseason started, that they addressed the one issue that lo- lost them the Super Bowl, and that's their offensive line. So it's that's the key going into the season that was the key from the start, uh, from the end of last season to, to now, and it will be. So how that how they play and how the offensive line plays is going to be what they live and die by. Because, um, I mean, if their offensive line doesn't play well, you're, you're risking the chance for Mahomes to get hurt. And if he goes out, your season is done. So, um yeah, I, and like you said, you're boring to talk about because, I mean, you know they're going to win, you know, the division most likely and, and you know, barring an injury or something like that. So um, just whether or not someone can meet them uh, at the playoff, I just – I think I think it's well more – it's more open and there's a better chance for someone to beat the Chiefs than I do think in the, on, in, on the NFC side of things. I think the Bucks are way – I feel like are better off – on that side than the Kansas city is. I think there's closer teams to Kansas city than uh, on the NFC side to the bucks. But, um, but yeah, I think Kansas city is clearly going to win this division. No, hundred percent. But my only thing with Kansas city, and I've kept on saying this for a while now, I want to see what they're going to be like five years from now, when guys like Hill and Kelsey start to get older and stuff like how we always know this when, Belichick knew when the time was right how to cycle talent in and out because that's what made the Patriots so successful for so long is their ability to adapt and learn. Well, look, when players were starting to fizzle out, you move on from them. That's my big thing too because because um, if I don't know what year this is for Hill, but I know for uh, Kelsey, it's his ninth season going into the NFL and a position like tight end, it's. A little questionable. My only other thing too is remember this last year seven and nine against the spread. Yep. And uh, and uh, they were very lucky in close games. You know that usually tends to regress from year to year. And also uh, Mahomes' extension, I believe, kicks in now. So yeah, no, next season. Next season. Next season. Oh. My bad. So like to your point, like pretty soon his cap figure is going to go way up, and it's going to be hard to give Chris Jones a big contract, give Travis Kelsey a big contract, give Tyreek Hill, you know, like now you're going to have to make some harder decisions. Yep. And that's the and that's the struggle that comes with being consistent, like consistently being on top. Like that's, it's hard. That's why there's very few teams that can say they've done it for so long. So I think that's what everybody's like watching Kansas city for. And that's what I, one thing I always said, like when, you know, everybody crowned, even though Mahomes is very talented and very, very good quarterback. You know, it's like don't let's like let's calm on on crowning him so quick because it's like, you know, how consistent like you know we we've seen ways of teams like you thought I mean we thought Seattle you could make a point at one point you thought they were gonna be a powerhouse for a while and it lasted two years and then now they're back to to earth so I think that's just the thing with Kansas City can they consistently keep that? Not one hundred percent, because even too, like you said, that contracts up. Like once that contract kicks in, it's gonna be tough for them to sign guys. But like for now, Brett Veach has been doing a good job. It's just that's my only thing. And for everyone thinking like, oh, I'm waiting for Kansas City to fall off. No, I'm just saying like, look, these are realistic things you gotta look at 
as a football fan perspective. And even to Big Mac, to your point last year, they lost a lot of close games. Like they lost to like the Falcons. The they almost lost to the Falcons. They almost lost to the Panthers. They almost got swept by the Raiders last year if it weren't for them rushing four late in that game. My Dolphins too. Yeah, there's yeah. Patriots played them tough for the first 50, 60% of that game last year, too. The one that got moved from a Sunday afternoon to a Monday evening. Like, there was a lot of games last year where Kansas City narrowly escaped with victory. And usually, not always, but usually that regresses from year to year. It didn't happen last year with the Packers. Like, I remember last offseason, people were saying this to Packers in 2019. They went 13-3. and They won a bunch of close games. People thought they were going to regress, and they didn't. But the Packers, like... They they got clear upgrades like in some areas that I don't know that Casey did although obviously the offensive line so uh, I, I wonder I just they maybe they they can't afford to be in that many close games again I'll say that like I, yep. yep I'm looking at their schedule right now it's for the first month for the first uh, seven weeks of the season it's pretty it's not tough but it's it's going to be interesting and they have versus the Browns at the Ravens versus the Chargers at the Eagles. Versus the Bills at the football team at the Titans. Those are those are some games where I think the only ones more than likely, like they'll probably win win most of these. But those are a lot of games where I think they're gonna have the, their what's the word I'm looking for. They're they're gonna be in tough. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, like that's like the only the Eagles game I can look at and say like more than likely you'll win that. But like I can see them being in close to the Browns, with the Ravens, with the Chargers, the Bills, the football team. Even like because we'll talk about that in the NFC show. But that is a defense to watch for, and even the Titans too. Because like remember, Titans played them tough in that AFC Championship game two years ago. Yeah, they were they were leading until like the last play before halftime. Yeah, Mahomes had like a crazy run, and then forever since then it was just like oh, don't look back now. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway, guys, I got to thank you. Thank the two of you once again for doing the AFC preview show. It was a blast as always. Uh, thank you for Danny for joining us. Unfortunately, he had to go do some other stuff. But some exciting news and notes, the name for the season coming up. Next week's NFC preview show will be myself, the trust fund manager, Jared, Markeem, Matt Beast. The four of us will be here. That's next Monday night, September 6th, to preview the NFC side of the NFL for you. Um, starting September 12th as well, I will be doing – as close to instant post-game reactions to the Patriots as I can. Phil will be a part of that. Other fans, plus two, will be doing weekly bets, best bets. Daniel will get involved in that. and Get Big Rat's help if he wants to get involved in that, too, to help you guys and ourselves win some money. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening to the AFC preview show of YWC Football Talk. Gentlemen, I hope you had a blast tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Thanks. How's it going? Love to hear it, guys. Anyway, guys, you guys have a good night. And you know what? If you can smell that in the air... That's football season right around the corner. Have a good one, everybody. Good off. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.